0: Welcome to Orion Valley. Hello film lovers, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect movies with fellow film enthusiasts and discuss why we love the medium as much as we do. Finally, after years of planning, it is the long-awaited, longest episode of this show. Sebastian Fullerton and Nick Spezial join me to talk about one of my all-time favorite movies, The Dark Knight. Wow. This is a long time coming. We have been trying to do this podcast for the last, what, year and a half? Something like that. We got Sebastian Fullerton here, um, Nick Spezial talking about one of, if not my favorite movie of all time, it kind of goes back and forth between this and In Bruges, um, The Dark Knight, a movie that is very formative for me, easily the movie I have seen in its entirety the most. I have rewatched this movie at least a couple times a year since it came out, uh, and it, it, honestly, it never gets old for me. Um, I want to get into like where we first saw it and our formative um, you know, experiences with the movie, but uh, I got to ask, and I've posed this on all three of these um, past episodes, but... In your guys' opinion, is this a perfect
1: movie? Yes, pretty much. Like re like watching it now and like after after years of being able to gel and sit on it and everything, I really any flaws that I have with this movie are very minor and and they don't really take away from the overall experience. So I would I would say this is about as close as it comes to a perfect movie.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think that any movie can be literally perfect, but I, I, I just like like Nick said, I th- there everything I have a problem with in this movie are very small things, and none of them, like none of them, take away from the viewing experience. And it's just it, it comes as close to perfect as it can be.
0: Yeah, you guys said it best. Um, e- each time I watch it, I think that not only are there some new things that i pick up on even if it's like minor little acting details um mm-hmm. my problems with it are still obviously there but there, when a movie i call is perfect sometimes yes i can't really find a flaw with it but sometimes a movie can be perfect and have flaws and it actually kind of makes it a better experience almost it kind of makes it like okay this part of the movie might be a little clunky but it you know, it kinda adds to a little bit of the charm or like um, you know, just in terms of what the movie represents and I, I, I kind of enjoy it. So like some of my problems with this movie, while yes, small like, it's still kind of fun to see how this was their direction and this is what they were going for. And it's it's really fun to kind of dissect those. Um, I just wanted to do a couple really quick um, specs on the movie. Um, it came out in 2008. It is the sequel to Batman Begins, the second film in uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. We'll talk a lot about that in a little bit. Um, it, it follows um, Batman's... Um, Uh, Batman slash Bruce Wayne's continued efforts to put away the mob when a new um, supervillain comes to -to face-to-face with Batman uh, known as the Joker, played by Heath Ledger, who we'll get to a little bit later as well. Um, And this movie was massive. This was one of easily my most anticipated movies of all time. I remember seeing Batman Begins in the theater, and so I was obviously extremely psyched for this. It had a budget of $185 million, and made just over a billion dollars worldwide. It's considered one of the greatest movies ever made. It is still in the top uh, five, I believe on IMDb of their top 250, which is wild to honestly, to think about. Um, And it's, it honestly is kind of a timeless movie uh, for me. And I want to know, uh, you know where you guys first saw it because like I said I remember seeing it in theaters it came out the week before my brother's birthday so I had to wait a little bit because we wanted to go on my brother's birthday to see it cuz me and him have been batman fans our entire life and uh we you know that weekend we uh, we're right there, and I remember I was wearing my... I had a little Batman mask uh, that I brought and wore in the movie. I was 10 when this movie came out, so I was just so excited. And it was... I remember it was around this time, like, I watched the trailer. I was just learning about, like, YouTube the past, like, year or yeah. so. so. I was watching the trailer over and over again. I was watching any features that they had, any, like, news about it. Um, and I remember, like, looking like, oh, this is what Heath Ledger looks like as the Joker, and this is, like, um, you know, what... Uh, Aaron Eckhart's going to look like his two face, maybe or like all this speculation shit, just anything to get me excited for this movie. And, um, so I want to know like what your guys' experience was with it back in 2008 or whenever you saw it first, um, what what were those experiences like?
1: I did not see it in theaters, unfortunately. I think because uh, I was I was eight years old, and uh, my parents probably would have said it was a little bit too much uh, for me at the time. Even though I I would disagree, and I did end up seeing it that year. Um, it just I saw it around Christmas time on a laptop in the back in like my aunt's office with my, with my cousin and uh, with two of my cousins, one uh, who's she's like the same age as me. And then one who's like a bit younger. And like, I don't remember a lot from that first viewing, although I remember thinking it was pretty awesome. And, and being like blown away by the, by the look of two face, like having seen him in, in comics and stuff like that and cartoons. And then, but like seeing it in live action, like, like, not at all like the Tommy Lee Jones version, but like looking oh, real. Tommy like Lee all. Jones version. <laughs> oh, that was, that image is, is burned in my brain, specifically in that context of like seeing it in, in the, in that office. But yeah, I, I saw Batman begins on DVD with my dad, probably not, when it came out, but probably like a year after it came out. So I was definitely looking forward to it and it was filmed in my hometown of Chicago. And so I remember reading, like coming downstairs one morning and reading in the newspaper that they had blown up a hospital. And I was like, that's crazy. And so like seeing these like head and that they were filming on lower Wacker, which is like a, a big, a big uh, street in the city of Chicago that I've drove at, I've drove on, driven on many times. Um, it was just it was cool, like seeing the actual headlines build for this movie in the in the days and weeks and months leading up to its release. So, I, I, I explicitly remember following the news of the production and everything.
2: Um, <clears throat> I don't I don't really remember uh, when I first saw this movie. Um, we didn't go to the movies a lot when I was a kid. Um, I actually I actually. My parents had, – we've had the, the the original Batman collection since I was a, a young – like a young child, basically since the beginning of Blu-ray, which, uh, you know, the um, – with, with the, all the 90s Batmans, uh, the Tim Burton Batmans and all that. And so I remember watching those as a kid and then at some point – I actually think I watched uh, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight probably a few years after they came out um, because my parents also – I don't know. They, they don't like to – Buy movies that much, Um, and so we went through this phase of of renting movies from Redbox, and um, and we and I remember my first reaction to this movie was just as a Batman fan, it was awesome. I mean, like as a person who who like basically the only full comic series that I've read have been Batman series. Seeing this version of Batman was just. I mean, it was astounding. Uh, the Tim Burton Batmans were really good, and I and I really enjoy them. And Michael Keaton plays a really good Batman, but they're 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 a little bit cheesy, and they have that eighties vibe. And this one takes a very serious, um, oh, yeah. like note on Batman, and I loved it. Uh, I I loved Heath Ledger's performance. I remember after after watching the movie, I looked up everything about what Heath Ledger did um, in his performance, um, and I just spent a lot of time looking up how he, how he did that, uh, and you know what the process of going through that movie and turning into the Joker. I was very fascinated with that. That was probably right around the time I um, was in the eighth grade, and I, I was starting to act too. So I I became very um, interested in how in his acting process, and then and then the the process of the movie itself, um, the production, and what they did to like the, like recording a hospital explosion all the crazy building explosions in in the movie like i remember being like very fascinated with how they actually pulled all this all this off and i mean i understand it a little bit more now that i've i've taken some classes in college but back then it was just like holy shit like they just blew up a hospital like what how how does that how do you even pull that off and 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 even now like i haven't actually watched that movie in a while i like i have not done repeated viewings like you guys um and i watching it last night i just had very similar reactions like even though i have a better understanding of how film works i just man it it, it brought me back to, to that first time where i where i was like wow this is actually just amazing an amazing batman tale I'm glad you brought
0: up the, the Tim Burton and the uh, and, you know, the Joel Schumacher films, because Batman has always been a huge part of my life. Ever since I was really, really young, I, you know, kind of gravitated towards that character. And like I would watch the animated series and Batman Begin or uh, Batman Beyond. And um and I remember when I first watched those the the 89 batman and batman returns and and loving both of them despite how you know obviously how weird those movies are especially batman returns but you know <laughs> jack <laughs> is the joker keaton is batman michelle pfeiffer is catwoman and devito is the penguin i was like these are all like really good portrayals very different portrayals than i was used to because the way that they're portrayed in the in the animated series is very much kind of like a serialized very um camp but also you know self-aware serious portrayal of them and i love the animated series it's one of my favorite shows ever um but i have always had uh, it was so important to me that character was just so important to me as a kid um and it's it honestly it always has i've loved seeing the character evolve and how and you know how it goes through different actors and what kind of um you know, what tale they're going to you know show with this with this version or like, you know, we got this new one coming out in 2022 with uh, with with Robert Pattinson, which I'm so excited about. Um, Hell yeah. And it, it, it's kind of it, it's interesting. It's always stayed in popular consciousness. And I will never forget when I first saw that trailer. The first trailer for Batman Begins. I was at like an after-school program or something like that. They had the TV on something. I don't remember what it was, but then that first trailer came out, and I was like, "Is this a new Batman movie?" I was like, "What is going on?" I didn't know this was happening. And, I, <laughs> and then my stepdad, I remember, just gave me all the details about it, and I was so excited. I remember I saw it in theaters that year. That was 2006, I believe. I was I was eight years old, and I was just I was I was ready. And I saw that movie, and my mind was just completely blown. I didn't know that that's how you could tell a Batman story, that a superhero movie could be told that way. And honestly, yeah. this movie or this trilogy in Christopher Nolan changed movies, I think. It really, or especially superhero movies, because, and now The Dark Knight is kind of considered one of, if not the greatest superhero movie of all time. It kind of was the gold standard immediately, like when it came out, everyone kind of mm. was... Really- critically acclaimed. It won a couple Academy Awards. It was, you know, very well respected and well received. Obviously, it made a ton of money, but, like, it still holds up. And the fact that this and then you know the obviously we're in an oversaturation of superhero films with the DCEU and the MCU and but like mm. for a long time these three movies were just so self-contained as their own you know Christopher Nolan's 9 hour magnum opus of Batman like there wasn't <laughs> really anything else to compare them to really and they Tur- like superhero movies turned darker and grittier and ev- yeah. like everything changed after this movie it's honestly kind of astonishing to think about it now and i agree that like when i watch this i get transported back to those days of like i got the dvd for christmas that year and i watched it all the time and i showed it to friends who had never seen it and i was just it was my like favorite thing um and you know all things batman like i said i've always loved i wanted to ask you guys what your relationship to that character is other than the movies. Like how do you, like how did you respond to it as a kid? Or if it wasn't like something you were interested in as a kid, like did you, how did you discover that character and what's your relationship with it?
2: Um, <clears throat> so my uncles, uh, all three of my, all three of my uncles on my dad's side, they are big, you know, pretty big superhero nerds and they read a lot of comics and they grew up when all of those famous comics were coming out. Um, and all of them, their favorite superhero was Batman. And so i got a pretty good um like introduction to batman since i was a child and i I read some comics here and there um but i remember like to your point about about um superhero movies compared to the batman movies um i remember i actually remember watching the spider-man movies um a lot more when i was a kid um i was i'm I'm a huge spider-man fan as well um spider-man and batman are probably my favorite superheroes and i think it's interesting because if you look at um those two movies combined those two series of movies combined i mean those two are really the only ones that were coming out at that time if i'm remembering correctly because uh, a lot of superhero movies came out in the 90s that were terrible Mm -hmm. and so people kind of just like backed off and Mm -hmm. so then spider-man one and batman begins came out and both of those Mm -hmm. movies were awesome i think Batman get, Batman Begins is probably better than Spider Man One, but it's I mean Spider Man One's a a really good introduction to superhero movies, and so having those those two series of movies uh, specifically, I remember Spider Man more as a kid, and the Batman movies more as I was starting to turn into a teenager. Um, they they really changed how I viewed the, the, how good a superhero movie could be because again I watched all the uh, the the. Uh, Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher uh, Batman movies and like Tim Burton, the Tim Burton movies were good, but, but they definitely had that eighties like feel. I mean, it was, it was dark in a Tim Burton sense, but it was still like, it was still like, uh, I don't know, campy and the the nineties Batman movies were even more campy and even more just <laughs> out there and wacky um, bat nips and whatnot. Um, <laughs> and, and so Seeing that a, a superhero movie could be this good, um, especially with the Batman Begins in the Dark Knight, like I, it really changed how how I could view a super I could view a superhero a superhero movie critically, um, mm-hmm. a, and actually say this is a this is a great movie. Okay. But yeah, I, I've had a pretty good relationship with it since I was a child.
1: Nice, nice.
2: I honestly – I don't think I
1: could track specifically like my first exposure to Batman because it, it seems like – I don't know. It seems like one of those things that I've just always known at least something about since I was a very small child. I do remember my first Batman comic though was a – it was a is a single issue of – it was a Batman and uh, versus Man Bat. I don't know what what the continuity <laughs> was, but but Man Bat was the first uh, villain that I read in any comics. But um, yeah, I don't, big a big one for me. Like I played I played the the Lego Batman video game, and I had a <laughs> lot of yeah. those those original uh, Lego sets, and oh, I don't know that. Oh, There's just like the early the early 2000s of Batman content, like, and there was. Oh, did you guys ever watch the Batman cartoon? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I remember. I didn't watch a lot of that show, but I, I remember liking that show
0: a lot. Yeah, that was an interesting show because like the animation style, like that was on, was that Cartoon Network or I think it was, it, obviously it was some Maybe Warner Brothers. Type.
1: WB Kids.
0: I, I don't yeah, know. I think exactly. it was WB Kids actually, but yeah, it was. Yeah, because it it was after this animated series, and then Batman Beyond, and then Justice League Unlimited were going at the same time. Yeah, yeah. God, such so good. So, and then and then that comes out, and that was kind of the bridging. That one was when it started to turn a little bit more to clearly being like specifically for kids because like Mm -hmm. just like unlimited and and like batman beyond and batman uh animated series were a little bit more mature but kids could obviously still enjoy them but then like the batman started to turn a little bit and then batman brave and the bold was kind of like specifically a kid's show kind of thing
1: true Uh, i watched a lot of batman the brave and the bold though that was probably one of my bigger introductions to the larger dc universe uh, thanks to that show of just like obscure characters like, you know, there, there was everyone in the Justice League and I, I knew a decent bit about them. But like that show was great at for me, at least great at introducing me to a lot of lesser known characters and like other versions of characters that otherwise wouldn't have gotten the spotlight.
2: And now that I'm thinking about it, I I think my actual first um, major self exposure to Batman, because like I said, my uncles were huge fans of Batman, so they showed it a lot to me, were the Batman Arkham games. Yes. Um, mm. And I remember playing them when they came out. I mean, uh, I think uh-huh. Batman Arkham Asylum came out uh, in like 2007 or 2008. And then Arkham City came out in about 2010, I think. Um, and oh, man, those were masterpieces. I mean, <laughs> and, and that just, that just, playing those and being being the badass batman like you were actually batman you were beating <laughs> the shit out of, out of criminals and stuff like that like it was it was oh god it made it made me want to watch batman and i actually i actually remember watching batman beyond uh, as a younger child more than uh um the other ones i forget their names now but um because batman beyond looks so cool and I mm-hmm. loved Batman Beyond's costume, and, yeah, and 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 it was like I remember that was a show when I was being babysat by my grandma that was running, and and yeah. and it would be on, and I would I remember watching that like a lot of times when I got home from school, so that's like that was my exposure to uh, the Batman cartoons. First was Batman Beyond. I, I think it's interesting that it's he's one of the only specifically to superheroes,
0: like to like you know bigger high concept media like um, that can easily be appealed to both adults and kids in many different ways. I don't know. I feel like they were just able to tap into something really, it's really easy to tap into with Batman. They do, because you got the three different personas of Batman. There's the all all the elements of him being a detective. He can be funny. He can work well with others. You know, he has like good, mm. in terms of chemistry with other superheroes. I don't, there's just something about him that can easily be brought back. And it's fun to yeah. say, like I said, it's really fun to see different actors portrayal of him.
1: He's such a, such a malleable character. Like, you know, we have we have so many different versions of Batman, even besides the besides like like, you know, there are there are like just the different actor interpretations. But then there's all all the all the World stuff that was like like that was pretty much started because that's a huge trend in, in comic books and stuff or not a trend. But like that's a huge thing in, in all comic books nowadays. But that that was pretty much started by Batman with gotham by gaslight oh yes like now we got like like pirate batman and stuff (laughs) those were awesome Uh, those were awesome that was (laughs) like that was originally just because you know the writers knew that they that batman was such a malleable character they wanted to see how else they could reinvent batman
2: in order for a character to survive that long you have to have uh different versions that are appealing to new audiences. Because if you think about it, the first Batman comics were dark. I mean, he was, he was murdering people. Like this, Mm -hmm. this was not like, this was not the sixties version of the, of Batman. He was, he was a crime solving detective who was serious and who was, I mean, the the color scheme was dark and then you, and then it evolves into, um, the sixties Batman, which is very, very campy, lighthearted. I mean, they're all goofy as hell. Um, you get the introduction of Robin and it's just like very like men in tights feel like, um, and and then you get uh and then you start to go back to that darker age and that, and because you have some of these so many of these um different versions of batman you can always come back to any of them and that's why and that's why batman and yeah and the joker are so easy to put into movies and have them be very different because in order for a character to be that successful, they have to have been written in a different, more appealing way over the years, or else it would have been stale. And that's why, you know, again, I, I don't know how Superman survives, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> and specifically with the Joker, I think, I think the Batman writers over the years have or have been co- co- have been a ha- collective geniuses because they have made. A, not only a superhero, but a supervillain who both can can form to whatever you would like. Like like you said, Josh, you can you can have something like Batman Begins, and then have something like uh, the Lego Batman movie, which is equally as as successful in the box office, and and is and is equal as equally as entertaining for different people. And, and like, I think it's just such a a credit to the writers of Batman over the years to not only Take what previous writers have done and, and kind of use that to form their own version of Batman, but also do the same thing with the Joker. And I love – something that I've always loved is how they've always kept the Joker mysterious throughout all the writers, even when they kind of gave him an origin story. Like mm, all, it's just like been this the silent pact. Yeah, they, they, it's just been this silent pact that they, they will keep – they will keep this Joker mysterious and and keep writing him in different ways. Um, I remember what was the there was a Joker <laughs> in, in one of the animated series who like had dreads. And oh yeah, that was that was the Batman from uh, two thousand four. Like seeing something like that, and then and then and then seeing um, like uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker, it just goes to show <laughs> like these characters yeah. can be wildly different and just have the same name and i th- i think yeah. that's such a credit to the writers of batman over the year and the characters themselves
1: yeah and speaking on that on that joker origin i don't i don't remember like where i got this idea because i don't even remember specifically seeing the the 89 batman movie as a kid but for some reason i always had it in my head that like <laughs> secretly the joker before he became the joker was the one who killed batman's parents and like I don't know why but that but that had always been in my like head canon as a kid even beyond (laughs) without without seeing that movie I
0: I totally get what you're saying and I somehow I'm the same way like I and I I mean I saw the 89 Batman early on like very. I think I was probably like I don't know like yeah like six or seven maybe and I had always accepted that. And that's another cool thing, that movie, like it kind of takes that leap and says that he was the one who killed, who killed his parents. Yeah. But, um, and, and this movie, you know, obviously, um, went back to the original, was just kind of some guy. Um, and, but it works either way. So I was, I, I agree that I was kind of the same where I was just like the Joker's the ultimate guy. Cause he killed Batman's parents. And then you realize, Oh wait, that's actually not really true in the original origin of the character. Um, but, he is the ultimate you know, adversary for Batman. And at the same time, I think it's cool because in, especially in in these movies, in the uh, in the Dark Knight trilogy, they made a really good job. They did a really good job of making sure that every other supervillain that you meet throughout all three movies, you know, whether it's Bane, whether it's Ghul, <laughs> Talia or Scarecrow, the Joker is the only one that you don't know about. Every other supervillain and Two-Faced, you know, you know who their alter ego is or who their who their you know persona is. That, but yeah, exactly. But the Joker, they they knew they had he had to just be a very, you know, it's just the Joker. Like that's that's it, and that's really smart. And I love I love Alan Moore's The Killing Joke. Don't get me wrong, it's fantastic. Um, But I I much prefer to just not know about like anything about him, like really in any. With any supervillain, like I like that I don't, uh, you know, I like that I don't know anything about the Joker. I like that I don't know anything about um, uh, Darth Vader or like any anything like that. Um, I I enjoy when it's just, especially in this movie, because like you can understand what the Joker is doing, and you see his plan. And like I mean, it's complicated and some may say convoluted and un- unnecessary, but the way that they do it,
2: it's so interesting and it is a psychological toll on all of the characters. And I, I and I think that there is a, there's a time and a place to give a supervillain an origin or an introduction. And I think the Joker will almost never fit that. Um, I, I think that his character thrives on not being known. Um, and, and, and no matter what form of Joker you're talking, whether it's gangster or comedian or chaos Joker, um, th- they all thrive on just not being known and not being... Not having a persona. I mean, um, before we super dive into the Dark Knight, I did want to talk about Batman Begins a little bit because I I watched Batman Begins last night as well. And I just like what a great introduction to the trilogy. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is it is like it's my favorite superhero introduction movie that and Spider-Man one. I mean, it is such because we we've all seen the, the the Batman origin story like multiple times, um, and we all know what's happening. Except the way they do it is, it's just so they never they never actually show Batman training to become Batman. Really, that, that's like that's like one of the first movie that I've seen where they actually show Batman or Bruce Wayne training to become Batman. Um, and they did such a good job, and it and like even though as a <laughs> As a comic fan, I knew that uh, Liam Neeson's character was uh, Ra's al Ghul from the beginning. Um, the fact that they hide that and they try and play it off—it just adds to the the Nolan uh, mysteriousness that he likes to put in his movies. And I don't know. I think that I think that uh, having having an origin for for Scarecrow. Well, I mean, like origin. It's not really an origin, but having his identity be known and have his identity be a pretty major role in the movie, and having uh, Raziel Ghul, like you see his development from being kind of a good guy at the beginning to being just like the main antagonist of the movie, pretty much. Um, I think those are those are well placed. They're, like, it is good to know about um, about Scarecrow and. And his and his uh, alter ego, because Dr. Crane himself plays a very, a very strong role and a very important role in the in the plot of the movie. And I think they just I don't know, they, they just also Killian Murphy, amazing actor and oh an God, amazing performance in that movie. Um, and I didn't know that Killian Murphy actually had auditioned to be Batman. Um, yeah, and and th- th- that's the reason why he became uh, Scarecrow is because uh, no one liked his audition so much. Um, I found that out last night, but I th- I thought that was very interesting. And he played that part so well. And I think even though you have three different villains, like major Batman villains, playing a part in that movie, they balance it so well, and it provides such a good juxtaposition uh, to. The Dark Knight, where the Joker is the main villain. I mean, you have the mob bosses, but they are really just pawns. In, Wait, yeah, in the who, who are you band. referring to
1: as the third? Carmine Falcone?
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, he is... I mean, for a lot of the movie, he is the main antagonist. Um, because that's the whole point of Batman. Um, and I just... Even though I have more problems with Batman Begins than I do with The Dark Knight, it is such a good jumping-off point. I mean... And it, and it really begins to show that this, the Nolan Batman, Batman series is its own comic book universe. And you can tell that by the, by the way they write these characters and the way that they're like, they give this origin to Batman. Um, And it, I don't know. I just, I didn't realize, I mean, I I always knew Batman Begins was really good, but watching it last night, it's, and watching them back to back for me, like, it's such a good jumping off point. and And they've written so well together.
0: Batman Begins walked so the Dark Knight could run. I, I When I saw Batman Begins in theaters, I remember just thinking, like, yeah, I didn't know that you could make a superhero movie like this. Like I said earlier, the fact that like the technology had like, caught up and was like at a level where a movie that good could be made. And um, the fact that... Like you know, the, the the camera angles and the way that the story like unfolded, and even seeing uh, his origin story, like him making the Batcave and putting the suit together. Oh yes, like, the, him yeah, making the Batcave.
2: Yeah. I did not remember that, and and I was like, how are they going to introduce the Batcave? And then the way they did it was so smart because that's one of the things I always question as a child. Who made the fucking Batcave? Like, mm-hmm. what builder came in and made at <laughs> his Batcave and was like, "Oh, this is normal. We're in a cave. I'm making some dark themed computer equipment." Like, I, I never, <laughs> I never thought. I always thought that was very strange. Yeah. And there, did the you, way did they did it in this movie, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the way they did it in this movie, it was just, it was, it was really good. And it showed that, um, and one of the reasons why I think that um, this. This is a very different universe, and this is why it's uh, uh, Nolan's Batman is, is his own thing. Is because even the, like in the comics, Batman's like a genius. I mean, he does he does everything. He he's mm-hmm. he's smart at everything, and they show in in Batman Begins, especially. How he is not an expert at everything, and he learns how to do any everything that he does. I mean, yeah. he learns how to do the building. He learns he learns how to do all of the martial arts. Even when Lucius Fox goes to him and, start, and starts talk, talking to him about the toxin uh, that that Scarecrow is producing, he's like, uh, "Can you?" You know, he asks for it in layman terms, in layman's terms, essentially. Like it shows yeah. that even though Batman and Bruce Wayne are very smart, they aren't in this in this universe. He isn't a genius. He isn't like. He isn't just inherently a genius. He works to improve and do yeah. all the stuff, um, and it's. I thought it's, it was done really well.
1: Yeah, that's that's the more the more interesting take. You know, it's because the thing is, you know, Batman with prep time could beat anyone, but like if you know, Batman's just a, a super genius. I feel like that's definitely less compelling because it's cool to see. Like in these movies, Batman has to lean on. The people around him, you know, he needs Alfred and he needs Lucius Fox. He needs Gordon. And like, I don't know. I love I love the way that all those dynamics are, are made throughout in the in the entire trilogy. But in the Dark Knight specifically, obviously. But yeah, I just I love all the all the side characters and the, the way that they are used. Like, like, you know, Batman, Batman needs them to, to be fully effective. It's the, the people of Gotham help him.
0: Absolutely. Um, uh, before we get into the critical stuff, I just wanted to ask. Um, I, I, I want. I kind of want to have the Christopher Nolan conversation um, now because I think there are other people in this movie that kind of take it over as being their movie, and we'll talk about them a little bit later. But Nolan, I mean, it's interesting. You know, we do this now, and you know, early early 2021 after, you know, he had Tenet come out in 2020. And that was a lot lot of controversy around that that and his decision to put it in theaters during the pandemic. Um, And because of that, because of that discussion and the discourse, there's been a lot of reevaluation of Nolan's films, um, which I think is, you know, is, is, is good that we are going back and, you know, revisiting films and discussing, you know, what has, how our perception of them has changed. But Nolan has always been one of my personal favorite filmmakers. He was a huge inspiration to me when I was a kid or like when I was coming up like as a uh, in high school and I would watch like I would just try and get my hands on everything, especially when Inception came out. That was a really big deal. Um, You know, I think for a lot of people that that he was doing something that was not, you know, that was a breakaway from the superhero stuff that he could still make something, you know, big and really in uh, in detail and and, uh, deep in terms of subtext and, and super engaging Mm,
1: but man, I, I still, even
0: watching his movies, like I'm still just blown away by the level of detail and the stories told. Yes, you can pick apart like really any any one of them and find flaws or find you know some story inconsistencies or whatever. But he still is a master at spectacle mm. and a brilliant storyteller, and gets really great performances out of people. And I think I think yes. the Dark Knight's his best movie, um, in my personal opinion. Uh, and he. You know, everything that he does well that he really exceeds at is in this movie. Incredible Absolutely. action sequences, the the emotion of characters mm. and amazing setup and payoff of character arcs. Like it, it's honestly and it may not be the biggest, you know, mind melter that Inception or, <laughs> or Tenant is, or even, you know, memento. But, you know, just with the trilogy, this he, you know, he gets his signature, you know, melding of time and manipulation of, you know, linear storytelling and all of that. But, you know, he's always I think he has always proven himself to be a force of nature in terms as a director. You know, his movies are meant to be seen on the big screen, but they like there's a lot of care and thought and, you know, (laughs) passion put into them. And I've always admired that. So I still like every time I watch any one of his films, whether it's not the same, like my perception of it has changed over time or it's not the same as it was the first time or maybe it's better. I'm still in awe.
1: Yeah, honestly, that's 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 probably the best way to put it. Like, uh, I don't know, seeing like this movie, like. It's still just it's still so so exciting and, and grand. And like even even now, you know, like like The Dark Knight was really the 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 beginning of the golden age of superhero movies. And even now after fucking cosmic despots and and battles <laughs> to save the universe and stuff, like this movie is still like it's still so so exciting and its scale feels so big and so real and like I don't know, just such a, such a good, such a good conflict and escalation of everything. It's just, and yeah, in, in the context of Nolan's larger filmography, it's so cool to see like that he didn't, he could, he could not do, it wasn't, it wasn't going for some like, you know, big sci-fi, uh, sci-fi thriller, like, like Inception or Tenet, um, which like, you know, I, I like both of those, movies. um, Inception definitely more, but, but, um, <clears throat> Regardless, like it was cool to see a Nolan crime thriller and like, I don't know. I just loved, just loved how, how big it could be.
2: For me personally, I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. I think he's my favorite director. Um, Even though I, in, in a grand total, I've seen what, uh, five of his movies, uh, six of his movies. I, I. He is definitely my favorite director. Um, the Prestige is my favorite movie of all time, um, and, and it is an underrated Christopher Nolan film, in my opinion. We'll do that
0: one on the show at some point. That movie is incredible.
2: Yeah, and and a lot it, it gets overshadowed by a lot of his other movies. Um, but I I love the Prestige. Um, well also has Christian Bale in it, um, and <laughs> I saw Interstellar on my birthday, like literally on my birthday, um, the year it came out, it came out two days uh, before my birthday. And Christopher Nolan makes amazing movie going experiences. I mean, just absolutely incredible interstellar. Um, it's a really good movie, but it's definitely not one of his, it's definitely not his best movie, but just the overall movie viewing experience was absolutely incredible. I mean, he makes soundtracks, and scenes that are meant to be viewed in the theater. I mean, yeah. you watch things like Interstellar or things like Inception with the big hallway twisting movie uh, scene and the ending of Inception where where the the van is tumbling over. And all of this, you, you can tell it's meant to be viewed in the theater just because of how grand it is. But he makes mm-hmm. all of his movies feel huge and feel just – so impactful. I mean, th- think about Inception. It's happening in in a person's brain. Like this is not a large scale thing, but it feels ginormous. Um, and I think he does an excellent job um, hiring his 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 crew um, and working with them. And he 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 does an excellent job. Like me and Nick were texting about this last night um, in The Dark Knight and most of his movies. There's – he throws so many balls into the air and knocks them out of the park. Like yeah. like they mm-hmm. – he, he puts in so many ideas and almost always follows through with them. And mm-hmm. a lot – and almost all of his movies make you think too. I really appreciate that. When a director or a writer can make you th- – Really forces you to think about their their art, especially Inception. I mean, there's been a bajillion of of internet debates over whether it was a dream or not. But um, I think he does such a good job at making you pay attention and putting the intrigue into you. And if you don't pay attention, you're gonna have to rewind because yeah. even even in the Batman movies, which are not super um, petty, yeah, and they're not they're not very. Twisty and all that they 're definitely the least twisty out of all of the Nolan movies that you still mm. are like if you if you miss a scene y- you're you're missing foreshadowing you're missing yeah. something that is going to come back at the at the end later uh part of the movie and be very important um and I think that's one of the reasons I love him is that i'm whenever i 'm sitting down and watching his movie i like I have to be very, very careful where I pause because yeah, yeah. if i pause in the middle of a scene i will have to rewind and watch the and watch the scene again and he just he does an excellent job at keeping you in and keeping you on the edge of your seat um while while staying within the parameters of his movies um mm-hmm. and and s- since my favorite movie of his is the prestige i mean it's one of his more complicated movies um mm-hmm. I, and that was also, um, it was one of the first times I watched Nolan when I was younger. Was watching The Prestige, and since then, he has changed how I how I watch movies. Actually, he, I credit him for a lot of. My critical movie um, thinking because I have to be thinking and I have to be critical and I have to be paying attention to every detail when I watch his movies and even if even if uh, some of it doesn't make sense or you because you do that you see like blatant continuity errors it still it still just adds to how how good of a director he is at paying attention and forcing you to look at all the details and I really really appreciate that about him
1: we've all seen this film uh, countless times Uh, so like this being this being uh, the most recent of of many viewings did you guys pick up on anything anything new in this rewatch
0: not in this rewatch but this was the second time uh I've watched it this year because I recently um or earlier or in in 2020 I we did a podcast about our favorite movies of the 2000s decade and this okay. was my number 2 um <clears throat> and I think that when i watched it then this was last summer then um i focused in a lot on the harvey dent arc that jumped Mm. out to me um and i agree Uh, the full arc of harvey dent and the rise and fall of him as one character in this movie that wasn't referenced in the previous film and is only referenced once in the next film and his entire what the, the how the story rests on his shoulders really jumped out to me in a way that i hadn't expected yeah Yeah. i
2: I agree i because uh thinking back on when i first watched it obviously it's it's hard not to focus on the joker and batman and their relationship but this this watch more than ever and i'm glad you brought this up nick this watch more than ever i i really pay attention paid attention to the downfall of harvey dent um, yeah. the, the rise and the and the fast fall of Harvey Dent, and it was very yeah. emotional for me. Um, oh yeah, knowing knowing that Harvey Dent is Two Face, and knowing that he turns into Two Face in in this movie, um, it's it's really heartbreaking to see how high he rises and mm-hmm. to see his pinnacle, and then see how hard he falls because yeah, he falls, he falls, probably no not probably definitely worse than Batman. I mean, Batman Mm -hmm. and him have a very, very like similar trajectory in this movie where they both kind of rise and then they both start, they both fall because of the Joker and Harvey Mm -hmm. falls into, into madness. Um, I also picked up on, there was something that was really, um, really, it really said something to me Um, right, right at the beginning of the big chase scene where Mm -hmm. uh, the Joker is chasing Harvey Dent down in the SWAT truck. truck flip. Um, Yep. Um, right in the beginning, the, the, the thing that sets the police uh, escort off their path is a fire truck on fire. Yeah. Which when I saw that I instantly wrote it down because that's just something that in my opinion shows the true nature of the Joker. Mm. What is more ironic than a fire truck being on fire? Yeah, yeah, right. and that just shows his his pure just desire for chaos because mm-hmm. it, it that that image alone shows the breaking down of society when the fire truck, the thing that's supposed to stop the fire, is on fire, and I instantly was just awed in in how how a single frame or a set of frames can just show an entire character's relationship with the movie. Um, And that was, that really spoke to me.
1: What about you, Nick? I don't know if I picked up on anything quite that monumental. Like one of the only, one of the few little things was, uh, was the way the um, after at the very end of that chase scene, once everyone is safe and they're, they're taking Harvey home or, you know, home in quotations um it kind of kind of it kind of lingers on on ramirez a little bit um and it's like you know so oh, yeah not, yeah because um, it's just it's just like well she is because uh, she's the she's the one who's going to be putting him or taking him to uh, room with all the all the bombs and stuff i don't know that was that was just one of the little things that i picked up on and like um i did notice also um it's it's pretty obvious but but when um during the fundraiser scene which is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie but we can probably talk about that later but um <clears throat> like um when when bruce walks in and he's like where is harvey dent and then and then when the joker walks in and he says where is harvey dent and it's like whoa two sides of the same coin oh <laughs> and like yeah i, I just I don't know. I love I love the parallels that they draw between Bruce and the Joker in like in subtle ways. And, and obviously, like in very explicit ways, like Joker's always like you complete me and we're going to do this forever and shit like that.
0: I just wanted to stay on the the Harvey Dent arc because mm. as I was watching it, um, particular this time and the in uh, the last time, I think that, you know, this movie obviously got a lot of. Um, praise for Heath Ledger. You know, obviously mm. that was a that was a big thing in the news um, when he passed away in the January in January before the film came out, and it was everyone was worried if the film wasn't going to come out. And then I, you know, it was very scary. It was obviously very sudden, um, and I think that kind of boosted his chances as to how great the performance is um, in terms of also in terms of winning the Oscar. And he it was totally deserved. I think this is the performance of the decade, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But I think that. Aaron Eckhart is the unsung hero. Oh, of yes. absolutely! because absolutely.
1: his
0: his performance is just perfect. It's so mm-hmm. so good, and that's another thing I think that Nolan does really well is that like this this superhero movie or this trilogy is all centered around you know Gotham City. It's not the world. It's not the universe. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's yeah. more so about what is at stake is literally these few characters' complete lives, well being, and mental state.
2: The soul like, of Gotham City
0: soul like their actual soul is just yeah. like always on the line so when you see you know harvey constantly fighting and being you know gotham's white knight in quotation marks and then as he you know goes up and up and up and then he you know gives himself up as the batman and then he turns yeah. into 2 Face, and that shot of him just laying in the hospital bed after his face mm. was just burnt. and you know batman's like i'm sorry harvey you're just you're gutted and then this whole turn of him being psychotic and the whole speech at the end of him being like you know if you'd listen to me you know we thought we could be decent men in an inde- indecent time is so so good and especially mm. when you know Batman's like you know the Joker wanted to prove that even someone as good as you could fall and he's like and he was right oh my yeah, god yeah, it's, it's so poignant and so perfectly like it's meticulous mm-hmm. and each you know you have to have him give himself up as his last good act towards Gotham. And that's his biggest act of good is to have given himself up, even though, you know, everyone knows he wasn't the Batman um, after, you know, after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and then nobody, I I'd never realized until, you know, kind of um, recently for, for some reason I had like, uh, I had kind of forgotten. not never realized I had forgotten that no one knew Harvey Dent had turned into Two-Face and had turned yeah. into what he became. Yeah, I, I forgot noticed that last night. I completely, completely kept it a secret and I forgot that because, like, they say it in The Dark Knight Rises when Bane reads the letter, but they they had to. And that's what makes the ending so good. And just to see this complete character... And he has to die at the end. Like, yeah. it is it is imperative that that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just it's it, it's heartbreaking to watch this yeah. That's, and it's great writing yeah yeah
1: yes oh it's so i i wrote in my notes um and i i wrote this um kind of like i had this thought during that scene where where um, him and rachel are at the restaurant and bruce shows up with the model um but then like you know with everything that was going on and stuff i wrote that that with the character of harvey Dent, nolan makes the argument for and against superheroes because like we see, like we see, we see Harvey Dent. Both, you know, he's a he's a man. You know, he's not he's not a symbol. Uh, and and the whole idea. Bruce says to Rachel multiple times is like, with Harvey now, we don't need Batman because we have this 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 man who is actually doing good as a regular person. You know, it's it's possible to be that that White Knight without being something larger than life. Um, and you can still, you can still do good, uh, as, as a man. Um, and then, but then obviously we see through the whole, a big, uh, point of the movie is, is the, the fallibility of, of said man and how he falls. And so by the end, it's truly, it's, it's his symbol, much like the impact that Batman has on Gotham. It's, it's the symbol and what Harvey represents, that ends up being more important than what he could actually do because like by the end, well, he did, he did as, as two face, he ended up killing Sal Moroni, who was like the biggest mobster um, still around. He's dead, right? He, he died in that car yeah, crash. He's not in sure. dark Knight rises.
0: I, I, get, yeah. I guess so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, so I, I just, I don't know. I love, I love this portrayal of Harvey Den and two face. Cause it's like, it's not, it's not, it's not anything like, in in comics or video games, he, he's he's more of a vigilante. He's he's going yes. after what is what he perceives as right or, or fair, as he says many times. Um, and I, I I love this interpretation of the character and the way that like yeah, he's like. He is he is killed in order to preserve the symbol and what he represents. And and Harvey as a man was still able to do plenty of good in his time, um, but he was he was corruptible as as the Joker showed. And so it's like, you know, we have Harvey Dent as a man who has done plenty good, and we have Harvey Dent as the symbol or like the quote unquote like superhero to the people of Gotham, um, who are like showing that someone can still do good as. As like within within the system and not have to be not have to be like outwardly against everything like Batman is.
2: Yeah. And and coming from a the, the perspective of a comic book fan, Harvey Dent slash Two-Face has always just kind of blatantly been a bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. And knowing that coming into the movie, you, you kind of want to come in with like a, a disdain towards him. But he makes you like him. I mean, I mean, oh, yeah. <clears throat> the way the character is written, he's he's incredibly brave, and <laughs> he he literally arrests hundreds of yes. of mobsters at once. Yes. And the even yeah. the mayor even the mayor is like, "This is going to be on your head." And Harvey's like, "Yeah, fuck it." <laughs> like he he just yeah. he's just like, "Yeah, I'm I'm going to ride this." Him being such a good character and such a likable character in the beginning makes it so heart-wrenching when he does turn into Two-Face. And both sides of that performance from Aaron Eckhart are amazing. I mean to see him be this white knight and see how good he is and see how much he wants to help Gotham. um, It really – everyone talks about the two sides of the coin with Batman and the Joker. But not a lot of people talk about the two sides of the coin with Batman and Harvey Dent.
1: Yeah, because mm-hmm.
2: because they both represent the same thing, and that is a a, a, um, a need to save Gotham. Um, mm. And but they they do it in such different ways. But they have they they are their own version of yin and yang because you have to have yeah. you have to have Harvey Dent to be the face. Because Batman – like they said in the movie, Batman cannot be the face because yeah. of, of the technical criminality that he represents. Mm. The lawlessness. Um, yes, and also the the fear that, that Batman represents. Yeah, Because as yeah. much as Batman is a superhero, he, it's a superhero in that he scares the criminals.
1: Yeah, he works through fear. Harvey works through hope.
2: Yes, and you have to have both of them. And that's why it is so important, like Josh said – That he dies at the end. Yeah. Because if he doesn't die at the end and you see him corrupted, it it throws everything out the window. Everything that they worked on – and they they literally say this in the movie. Everything that they worked on would go completely out the window because – they would show that even even the most uncorruptible can be corrupted. And when you see him turn into a face, I mean the whole that whole like twenty or thirty minutes where he gets kidnapped, he's on the phone with Rachel, which is heart wrenching, by the way. Oh yeah, that was um, especially yeah.
1: heartbreaking this time for some yes. reason for me.
2: And and then you see him like burn, and then you see him in the hospital bed, and you see just how how much anger and hate fills his heart after he mm. sees. After he sees the true side of Gotham, I mm-hmm. mean it just makes his character so – it completes his character. I mean he has to – I for a while, um, I always thought that there should have been more Two-Face. But then I realized Two-Face was there the whole time. I mean yeah. while it yeah, was yeah, Harvey yeah. Dent being a white knight, even at the, um, at the beginning or like less than halfway through the movie, you see him – when he when he um, kidnaps that that the fake cop that's yes. inmate, and, I'm and glad you brought the polka dot and, man. Yeah, and and he polka dot man, <laughs> <laughs> and you see him flip the coin, and Batman snatches it out of the air. Yeah, like, you he is. You start to see the corruption from the beginning, even if Batman saves him at that moment. Well, like they they refer to him as Two Face, like they know that mm. that was his nickname
0: down in the MCU. He knew this, so yeah. every cop knows that there's this side of Harvey Dent that is just ready to come out. Because like the animated series did this really good, in a, yeah. you know, really well at the fact that he was literally had multiple personality disorder and was able to flip flop between. But like, it's it's a little bit more you know kind of blurred in this movie. But like the fact that he. Yeah, is still working for justice, but like Putting a gun up to this, you know, schizophrenic's head mm. after he's shot it to get him to answer. You know, Batman says in that moment, like, if anyone saw this, everything would be undone. You know, this would this would ruin everything. And like he even in Eckhart's performance, he has moments where like it starts to come out, like even in that moment, in that scene where he's like, You can't get in. Like he like yeah, yells yeah. really loud. Like yeah. it's like, oh my God. And on that same note, I wanted to say that the Talk a little bit more about the ending. Is that one thing that I didn't really fully put together? Is that yes, the Gordon says um, the Joker won because Harvey turned bad, and um, you know, now everyone's gonna see this and everyone's gonna lose hope. And but the other way that the Joker won because of this is Batman killed him, like Batman Mm. and Batman did it to save Gordon's kid, but he ended up killing the only source of hope in Gotham and oh. that's what makes him realize I have to go like oh, I broke yeah, my code yeah. I have to cut I have to I have to leave and it's the the only way that Gotham's gonna be safe and that's what <sighs> makes the ending this movie's it's it's the ending of this movie is incredible like it's yeah just <laughs> yeah um and that's
1: that's how you make Batman kill it's not it's not Decapitating people with the Batmobile or something. Oh. <laughs> like, in, like in Batman versus Superman or like blowing people up with grenades and shit. Like it it should if if you're gonna make him break his rule, like oh it's so it's so meaningful and purposeful. And it has and the ramifications
2: are fucking endless. It's it's so good. Not to mention um We'll never really know if he actually meant to kill Harvey. I mean, we all just said that Harvey had to die, but the mm-hmm. but the true purpose of him knocking him knocking Harvey off the roof was to save Gordon's kid. And yeah. that, and when you brought that up, Josh, it really just made me like think for a second, like the fact that that Batman did what he absolutely had to do. That like the Joker said in order to save in order to save uh, Gordon's kid. That is such a representation of of what he would have to do in order to actually save Gotham. Right. And, and this is why the Harvey Dent arc really makes me appreciate Batman more because in the ending, when, when Gordon asks, like, what are you doing? Like you can't, you can't take the fall for Harvey. And he says, you know, yes, I can, because I can take it. Mm -hmm. I, I am, I I am, yeah, I am whatever Gotham needs me to be. Yeah. Which is, which is so, Indicative of what Batman is compared to what Harvey is. Harvey has to be a symbol of hope. He can't mm. be anything else. If yeah. he is anything else, it just proves that the the crime underworld rules Gotham. But because Batman is technically a criminal, he can, he can do and be, break whatever rules that, that, that the motive, that the motive needs him to do. Yeah. Um, and... This time watch this time around watching really made me appreciate Batman and, and Harvey Dent's relationship um even more. And I will say Harvey Dent has some of my favorite foreshadowing. There's oh, there's yeah. there's blatant foreshadowing in this movie when you watch it uh, a second time through or whatever. But mm. his line, you know, the, the famous line, you either you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Oh yeah. I mean what yeah. a what like amazing foreshadowing and also just amazing dialogue. He mm-hmm. he has some of my favorite lines in this movie, and, and that's coming Absolutely. from... And that's also thinking about the amazing performance from Christian Bale and Heath Ledger, and, yeah. and to to know that you have such an amazing supporting actor mm-hmm. uh, within that, it really just speaks to how how good this movie is, that your third major character in this movie is so... So fucking good I mean Oh yeah it, it is just That and Seeing his overall His overall character arc It's just It just speaks volumes to this movie Not to mention to Christopher Nolan's writing um, Because mm-hmm. you cannot have This character last more than one movie And he created a whole character And a whole range of emotions And, and life for this character In the span of two and a half hours yeah, um, because wasn't the Joker originally planned to be in the third movie? Yes, I think. Yeah, the
1: plan was like that Harvey Dent or Two-Face would be the the main villain of the third movie.
2: Really?
0: And no, they first, were to do. Well, I guess they were trying to, but then they but then it switched to Bane, like as they were writing the, the third movie, you know, after, you know, yeah. um, Dark Knight. But they wanted to have the Joker in it. But then obviously with Heath Ledger's passing, they they decided, no, we're not going to have any mention of them, which I think is a good, is a good choice for that movie. Mm. Um, I I think it's good to just focus on, on Bane for that movie. Um, I, should we just have the Heath Ledger talk now? Cause I mean, there's, there's so much to, I I also forget how he's in the movie a lot, but I also forgot how little he's in the
1: movie. Um, yeah, uh, every every
2: scene is purposeful, you know, no, no time is wasted. We don't get any extra time with the Joker. I was going to ask, um, do you think we should go over the things we don't like? Because I have a very small list.
0: Yeah, that, that's actually, that's a good idea. Can I can I say my one thing really yes, quick though? Yes, do it, for sure. So my biggest problem is the Coleman Reese character. Um, mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where it sets up a good sequence You know, later when he says, if Coleman Reese isn't dead, then I'm going to blow mm-hmm. up a hospital. Then I have to rush to get Reese. And then the cop who's going to kill him is in the car with him, so he breaks the, like, that's cool. But it's so kind of just a, like, very Like they just set up like, hi, I'm Coleman Reese and I found the Batmobile plans. I would like $10 million a year, please. And Mm -hmm. Morgan Freeman's like, are are you in the right movie? Like what? Like (laughs) I don't, that So is kind of, and then, you know, an hour and a half goes by and then he's on TV with Anthony Michael Hall, you know, talking about how, yeah, yeah, it's just like, I don't, it's just one of those things where I understand its purpose in the movie, but I it doesn't really fully need to be there i think it's one of the kind of really thin layers of but it's also because it's not in the movie so much it doesn't take away from the rest of the movie for me yeah um, and say that the whole lao subplot like why did they go to china and why you know why could they have just done it in um you know in gotham like that whole part's mm-hmm. convoluted but like i i honestly don't mind that very
1: much yeah i Honestly, like I, I definitely get, get the gripes with both of those things. I, um, but I, I, I don't know the, the plot, the plot, like it, it all, all of that stuff, you know, it, it, it gives, it gives the dark Knight a a globe trotting Epic kind of feel, uh, with the Lao stuff and like with Coleman Reese, another, another, uh, venue into, what's going on in the citizens of Gotham. I, I wrote in my notes that Coleman Reese is one of the best bitches in movie history. Um, <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I, I, cause in these, in these early, not early, but like for the, cause blade was 1998. And, and so in those, in that 10 years of like, I don't know. I'd call it like the silver age of comic book movies, and they're really finding their footing. The whole secret identity thing was a huge deal in, in the Spider-Man movies, especially, and in the the Nolan Batman movies. Um, and I, I think I think this is one of the more interesting ways to to go to use it as part of the plot, you know, and and just and and just can just adds more to like the chaos and the anarchy that Joker brings to the city. Yeah. So and- I, I get like it's a little bit like. I don't know. It's a. It's, it has. A, it's a little bit. Uh, I don't know what the right word would be, but like, you know, um, fuck.
2: So well, can I add on to that? Nick? Yeah, yeah, um, convoluted. Yeah, I. I was gonna say, I. While I do understand why you feel like that, Josh, um, I think that the the sequence where Joker's like if Coleman Reese isn't dead within an hour I'm gonna blow up a hospital makes it worth it I did when I when when that scene came up where he was like I found the Batmobile plans you know I need 10 million (laughs) dollars I thought that just added to Lucius Fox character really Mm. I think that's kind of what I got from that scene yeah that that's what I got from that scene more than Coleman Reese um Although Nick, I do agree with you that that he he was a huge bitch for that, um, <laughs> like like, and then I don't know. I, I while I think that scene was a little like it did it did kind of jar the pacing a little bit. Um, I actually that scene is when I wrote um, my note that says Lucius Fox is an awesome character because. Mm he mm-hmm. i think that was hilarious when he was like are you really blackmailing the guy who made the plans for the batmobile who has contact with batman yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, is that what you're gonna do right now and i thought that was hilarious <laughs> um so i didn't really see if it see it as a problem i think if they wouldn't have had the whole coleman reese interaction later in the movie it probably would have been like yeah that didn't need to be there um But I think it kind of that scene more served to add to Lucius Fox's character rather than to Coleman Reese's character, if you know what I'm saying. I get what you're saying, yeah. (laughs) Also, like, as
1: kind of just a little aside, because I know we're supposed to be talking about things that we don't like, but um, I also think this movie has, like, great comedy like like when it when it chooses to make a joke i think i think the jokes are never like they never disrupt anything and they always the they always feel between like alfred
2: winning. and batman is hilarious Not oh sure. yeah great banter <laughs> <laughs> um but nick what do you gonna break
0: out my i gotta break out my michael caine impression a little later
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> um well one thing that's always kind of um, just been a little bit odd to me is um, when when Joker throws Rachel out the window and they, they seem like they're completely fine as they fall like yeah. 40 stories onto a taxi <laughs> um, like, like I know like he Batman has the cape that like slows him down a little bit but it still seems I don't know it still seems a little bit over the top but that's that's more of a I guess that's kind of a technical thing it doesn't doesn't necessarily ruin the movie it just takes me out a little bit thinking like all right, that doesn't quite yeah. make sense. Like a nitpick, use, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a nitpick. And then, um, I don't know. What? How do you guys feel about the the fighting
2: and the and the action scenes and stuff? They're um, fucking Batman. incredible. What are you talking about? Okay, okay. Well, I would. <laughs> all right. I have a. This is my biggest problem with the Christopher Nolan Batman series is that Christopher Nolan, his movies don't actually have that good of choreography. I think they make up. His filmography makes up a lot for the lack of choreography. I think the mm. Dark Knight does this the best, where they have just a bajillion cuts. I mean, all action sequences with with, with Batman are just cut, 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 cut. Um, mm. Whereas if you watch something like, and I hate to compare it to Batman versus Superman, but if you watch the, <laughs> where, the warehouse scene where Batman beats the shit out of, uh, out of the criminals, and yes, I, uh, we can argue about the killing of them, but that mm. scene shows the raw like fighting power of batman better than than the actual fight scenes in these movies mainly because you don't really see much of the actual fighting compared to just cuts and good camera angles um that's one of my just overall gripes with the trilogy um and i think the dark knight rises does it the worst which is one of the reasons Mm. why it's my least favorite in the three um but the the choreography just isn't isn't really that good in my opinion mm. um i think that they disguise it super well in this movie not to mention yeah. that um joker is not a one of batman's physical villains Ra's al ghul yeah. was batman one of batman's physical villains and they had they a had pretty good sword fighting choreography and all that um mm. but i think when when you watch a movie and you see that the action scenes consist of mostly cuts and camera angles. It just goes to show that the choreography was not there, um, Mm -hmm. or at least not as there as it could have been. Um, And I know that like with a lot of modern movies, they use CGI and they use uh, special effects to accomplish a lot of the action scenes. Um, But I don't know uh, if you watch something like, I don't know I don't really have a good example in my head, but I just think that the choreography was is always just kind of a, a little bit lackluster but the dark knight covers it up amazingly. Mm. I I totally get what you're saying and
0: um you you do make a good point. Uh as I was watching kind of like um <clears throat> Especially like the opening scene, not 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 the opening opening, but when we first see Batman, he's fighting all the guys who were like that scene. um, Yeah, amazing scene. Like they have some really good like panning shots as he's fighting someone. Like I agree that it might be a little clunky compared to other you know choreographed fight scenes that have been made you know recently, but. In the age of movies that were, they had to make every fight scene like the Bourne Ultimatum or a Paul Greengrass <laughs> movie with Jake yeah, and yeah. a ton of cuts. Like, I'm not denying that there are many cuts in the fight scenes in this movie, especially when he's fighting the, the Joker at the party scene and the cameras going around. Like, I still think it looks good because I've seen way worse action scenes, mm. um, and I, I think that Nolan excels more so at you know the. Um, uh, bigger scale, like the like the the chase you know, scenes, the, truck, like the chase scenes, yeah, scene, yeah. Truck yeah, battle, or you know the even in like the <laughs> Dark Knight Rise, the bat, uh, you know the Batwing is flying around. Like yeah. he's he's much better than like hand to hand fight scenes. But I still think the hand to hand fight scenes in both Batman Begins and The Dark Knight are still very like compelling and well made. More so than other um, like action movies in general. Yes, they might be a little bit um, more. Cut like, but it's not like an assault on your senses, like
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: taken to or something like that.
2: <laughs> um, I yeah, also, I, no, go ahead, Nick. Oh.
1: Um <clears throat> I kinda in Seabass in made the, the Batman versus Superman comparison earlier and I, I wrote something about that in my notes because like <clears throat> in that movie, uh Batfleck has like he's just like he's just a beast, you know. He he knows yes. all he can he can fight in, in a variety of ways and stuff. Like he and he just beats the crap out of literally everyone. Uh but like um, in these movies, they specific they had Batman use the uh, the Kisi fighting system, um, which has since actually been abandoned uh, and has been I guess seen not super effective. But I like the idea at least and the intent of Batman having being trained in like a a specific unique discipline. What is the fighting um, it, 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 system? It's uh, it's like a well, it was I was developed by I think like I think it was developed by the like, like French, uh, Marines or something like that. I don't know exactly. Um, I remember researching it a lot actually. Cause you know, when I was, when I was in like middle school, I was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta find out like all these different, what martial arts would, would How Batman use Batman and stuff. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, Batman for dummies. Like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so like the Keezy fighting system, you see he, it's a lot of like he used his elbows and stuff. And there was one, I actually, I asked seabass what specifically this was called, but Batman doesn't. This one punch where he like he like leans to his side and like punches with both both fists like i, I wish i had a, a good visual like metaphor for it but it's in it's in the the fundraising scene and uh it, it looks like the the dragon ball z uh fusion when like like they turn and like they touch their fingers together but he's like it's like a punch and and so like shout out to dragon you know, Ball maybe, wait what <laughs> I said shout
2: out to dragon ball z True. Um,
1: but um so like I don't know, it's cool to see Batman having having a specific fighting style. You know, it keeps him distinct from from everyone else who like the goons and stuff who are you know very very brawly and stuff. And 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 in Batman versus Superman, Batfleck is just the he's like the superior brawler to everyone else. Like, you know, he it's clear that he is the dominant fighter. And I, I think it's an interesting contrast. Um to see a, a Batman who is more about—he has his specific fighting style, and it's and it's effective in certain ways and ineffective in others. You know, he he has a lot of trouble uh, fighting those dogs and shit. Whereas with like it feels like with Batfleck, he just like pick him up and throw them and stuff. Um, and so I don't know. I, I liked I like seeing the the elbows and stuff and the and the use of of Batman's unique physicality towards his fighting as much as some of the fight choreography for me at least might be a little bit uh lackluster but i, I like i like batman's fighting style at
0: least yeah, to give a shout yeah, out to i that. like the grit to it
2: yeah and, and yeah. I, i'm gonna backtrack just a little bit because i i did shit all over it and i didn't want to like, come across <laughs> that way um because i don't think it's terrible like, i don't think it's like mm-hmm. i like like josh said i've definitely seen worse fighting and i've definitely seen worse choreography um and like I said, The Dark Knight covers it up super well where you can obviously tell that Nolan or whoever he hires is not, mm-hmm. um, is not that diverse in what the, his hand to hand combat is because in Inception it has great uh, choreography for the most part, and I think that's a lot of it is due Same to, with tennis. yeah, and a lot of that is due to the gunplay. Um, mm-hmm. But I do really like how you actually see Batman get hit. It's like Batman, yeah. I like comparing it to bat like where he is pretty much perfect against the goons um mm. and i love that because i mean you know <laughs> play the batman arkham games you it, know it's yeah. always what you stri- strive for was just to be perfect don't get hit in the combat like just beat the shit out of everybody get those combos yeah and you imagine that batman could do it but i think this adds to i think it did add to the character of batman in, in these movies is that he's not mm-hmm. perfect and mm-hmm. you see him get get beat the shit out of sometimes especially yeah. in batman begins um that's, that's yeah. especially true but the Dark Knight is in Batman's prime in this trilogy and he I don't know I, I, I do really think that uh, these scenes have impact they just they have a lot of meaning to them um, it's not just action for action's sake I, while I don't think it's perfect by any means um, and I think it's a little bit lackluster especially compared to some fighting things, fighting scenes I think the pinnacle of most fighting in uh, movies is uh, uh, like martial art movies by the way um, yeah, but I think that these are really good. Um, they just aren't up to the like like amazing level of that mostly, uh, most the most the rest of the movie is. Um, now I'd like to kind of get back to the whole what we don't like about this thing because um, I have a few sure, notes.
0: Keep, yeah, go, keep going. Yeah, unless I,
2: like, you, unless you guys have anything else about the choreography? No, that, that was you? pretty much just the
0: Coleman Reese thing. That was my
1: yeah, <laughs> I, honestly. I don't think I have anything else that I'm like wow
2: this this was specifically Um, bad i had a few things and i'd like to clarify for everyone who listens that all these things are very minute like these are not Mm. all the things that we've been talking about are not huge problems if there Mm. was something that was a huge problem we would have said it um uh so one of the one of the things that bugged me the most in this movie uh, was when they go to china um and batman just happens to show up the same day that lucius fox does (laughs) like like no one no one thinks that's suspicious no one like catches on to that like i i don't i don't think that's i i find it hard to believe that that's just they would believe it's coincidence well they
0: arrived there they arrived there at different times and also no one knows you know obviously no one knows who batman is at that point and that's
2: true but everyone knows that that batman is running in gotham uh, and everyone knows that wayne tech is stationed in gotham and the, the the head ceo of wayne tech shows up the same the same day the same night as batman shows up to kidnap him. i, I just i just thought it was a little too convenient
0: yeah, there's convenience things like that in all of like nolan's movies it's just
2: it just works for the plot you know we got to move kind of thing my my second biggest gripe was when harvey's in the car with uh, sal maroney he doesn't shoot Tom Maroney, but he shoots the, the driver and he's still in the car when, yeah. when the car flips over and he put it. He
1: put a broken. seatbelt on, bro. Oh, yeah. oh yeah.
0: yeah. Maroney's a no seatbelt kind of guy
2: and his legs were already broken. So he was like half dead. Basically. Yeah, I, I, I watched that and I was like, why would you do that while you're in the car? I, I don't I don't really get it, but that's all right. Um And I think that's it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) In the final fight scene, when uh, Batman's sonar vision gets interrupted, all I think was just turn off your sonar vision. (laughs) Just click your button and Mm -hmm. go back to, you know, regular view. But that's, I yeah. <laughs> love when Fox is just Like I love when he's
0: like, stand by, like he's a fucking stage <laughs> manager in <at> a musical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a light problem over in uh, on upstage right.
2: We'll be right back. <laughs> um, but yeah, those were the the three the three like main things. And and again, those were all very small. Oh yeah, <laughs> the whole sky hook thing when he when he sends the like floaty device up to get hooked up by the plane. I thought it was kind of dumb. But I was like, all right, that's that's Bro. some Batman technology shit, I guess. Yeah, Skyhook is badass. <laughs> I would love to get Skyhook. <laughs> CIA, uh, man. They, yeah,
0: they were doing it back in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: I I thought that was a little dumb. But I was like, all right, that's just – I'll give it to the Batman technology well, he shit.
0: Has to, he has to throw it up, and then he has to wait for the plane to come. <laughs> yeah. <But> He's <shit, laughs> there waiting. They're like, all right, wait. It'll come by in just like oh, a second.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, those are like the only um, – um, things that I wrote down that I had like a little bit of issue with. Can we talk about Heath Ledger?
0: Yes. Can we please? Oh yeah So I think again, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. This is the best performance of the decade of the two thousand of the two thousands, in my opinion. This is a performance that you know there was so much discussion around it because you know Heath Ledger obviously had been in you know a few a few rom coms like Ten Things I Hate About You, and then he was nominated yeah. in Broken. Mountain and like dramas. He's also very young. Like no one really, there were a lot of naysayers about, you know, mm-hmm. it was a controversial uh, like, choice. It was a very controversial choice, but, um, and then obviously with his tragic passing, you know, there was a lot of, we have to make sure that this is not only is it a good portrayal of the Joker because it's a new portrayal, but that he, like that it, it's a, it's a memorable one that he's honored. And the fact that, you know, he won the Oscar for this um, and he it's it's just unbelievable what he does because still to this day when i watch it i don't see heath ledger i just see oh, this psychopath yeah. i don't see that it's, it's not the guy from broke back it's not the guy from 10 things i hate about you it's just it's a completely singular performance um mm-hmm. and everything that he's doing the energy the look like the makeup and he like licks his lips and yeah the, the and like you know just the the crate you know sometimes he has some good humor in it like the mm. the first time he does the magic trick i will never forget seeing that in um in the theaters and everyone just gasping when yeah. yeah goes into the dude's head like it's just an a performance that is timeless i mean the whole movie is pretty timeless you know i mean obviously there's certain technology but it's like kind of invented technology but um it, he he just disappeared and he has you know amazing you know lines of dialogue and um is so is honestly pretty scary and like you know yeah. the joker can turn into like the the cool thing about jack nicholson when he was in which is also a great performance is very um he's a he's a gangster you know he's this kind of a, a character from like a noir movie you know it's it's cool mm. um it's it's completely different than this this is a complete psychopath that we have no idea who he is and you can't even recognize the actor, so you can't, like, attribute him to anything else. Yeah, um, yeah. It makes it, it makes it so much more tense. And in that, you know, there's the interrogation scene where he's you oh. know, just saying, like, there's no going back. You know, you change things and, like, all of these... Like, that scene everything. might be the
2: best scene in the movie. Like, I agree. Hands it's, down. The,
0: yeah. it's just... It's it is such a travesty that we lost him. He was an, an unbelievable actor, and I think mm. that this you know, as his kind of real last, final, complete performance is um, is one that will never be forgotten. I think he really Absolutely. made the movie what it was. Um, I, I you know he, this is the best on screen portrayal of the Joker in my opinion. And yeah. I don't fucking at me Joker fans and Joaquin Jared Phoenix Leonard. don't. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love me some Mark Hamill. He does the best mm-hmm. Joker voice. Don't oh yeah, he's, he's
2: the vo- he is the Joker voice.
0: Yeah, but let, there's no one that's going to be able to copy what Ledger did or do anything yeah. like what Ledger did. Um, yeah. And I mean, Joaquin Phoenix gives a, gives a
2: good performance. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the same, man. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and and I think, oh man, uh, I think it is easily a top five performance of all time. I mean, I, I I I I'm hard pressed to to think of five more performances that are better than Heath Ledger's performance of the Joker. I think you know a performance is, is great. Like like you said, Josh, when when you don't even recognize the actor that's there. Like, like there is there is no side recognition of the actor because even though I think Christian Bale had an amazing performance in this movie, you know it's Christian Bale. Like, like mm-hmm. there is that lingering uh, that lingering thought of like this is Christian Bale. He's been in X movie, Y movie, um, but Heath Ledger disappears, and I think mm. that it's all the credit to him. I mean everything from his slight posture adjustments to his my the thing I picked up the most in this viewing was his uh, tone of voice the The wild changes from the mm-hmm. from the more higher high, higher wiry tone of voice to when he's when he's um uh when he records the fake Batman uh, thing on the news and you and you hear him growl mm-hmm. and roar yeah, yeah. um yeah. like his tone of voice and his choice of tone of voice is absolutely amazing um and it fits so well and I think every second that he is on screen is just is just uh, awe inspiring if you're an actor. I mean, it it is the the it's the prima donna of 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 what you of what you're trying to achieve. And and I love Jack Nicholson's Joker. I think this is a, too, this, yeah. this is a this is a credit to the Joker character because you can have all sorts of different uh, types of Jokers. I mean, Cesar Romero and Mark Hamill and Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. and Jared Leto and Joaquin Phoenix, they're all wildly different versions of Joker. Um, you yeah. know, Jared Leto had like three minutes of screen time, um, <laughs> but, um, I think, and also if you're thinking about what was going into mm-hmm. the movie, he was, ar- he was already when he got cast being compared to Jack Nicholson. And mm-hmm. I think that's a, that, that was a pretty big, those was pretty big shoes to fill because Jack Nicholson did a great job. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's an amazing performance from Jack Nicholson, um, and And to be compared to that, and then completely blow it out of the water with 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 what he did, what the character was, the character choices he made uh the 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 small changes of dialogue from the script because you know if, if you read the script, it's not exactly the same um, mm-hmm. and and the overall movement choices, and like you said josh like the, the it's the subtle things, the licking of the lips the the slight lisp that you hear sometimes um the fact that he did his own makeup every every, every uh um, yeah. for every um time they recorded like everything had that hand touch everything had that hand feel that you could just feel there was so much heart and soul put into this performance um and i just i think that the scene the interrogation scene between batman and the joker i told this i told nick this last night might be the best well It's one of the best, if not the best scene where it's protagonist and main antagonist in a room like like just just those the main protagonist, main antagonist in a room doing whatever. It might be the best that the best scene like that of all time.
0: It's tough. It's up there. I mean, I think that it's definitely my favorite scene in the movie. I think the big competition of that category is like is heat when Pachiro and, and De Niro meet. Mm. Um, I think it's probably the best singular scene in a superhero movie, honestly. Oh, yeah. I think Hands that, down. Yeah. The, you know, when when the lights come on and you see him behind the Joker and he slams his head yeah, on the table. Yeah um and and the the quips
2: that the joker makes like he's like you're not supposed to start with the
0: head yeah Yeah, victim gets all fuzzy yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. but like what he's saying again a great moment of foreshadowing but like really you know well written is like you know their their code you know it'll drop at the little sign of trouble so like when their guard is down these civilized people they'll eat each other like it's just you see batman like really contemplating what he's saying so when and it's such a great moment when he's like see i'm not a monster i'm just ahead of the curve and then he grabs him and then the scene like completely changes um it's just like you can see that the joker is in total complete control and that is killing batman like Mm. just the the idea that he can't he literally can't do what he is supposed to do Mm -hmm. and then you know, starts the whole chase of finding um, Rachel and and Dent, um, but there's so many good reveals in this movie too. Mm-hmm. Like even just the Joker's reveal in the beginning, because oh, we all yeah. knew we saw the production photos, we saw the trailer, we were already. And then when he's like, "I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you," and he takes the. Takes the mask off and then the music hits that big and he's like stranger. It's like oh my god, you're yeah. just ready. And yeah, that like Ugh. I said, it's just every single moment. And like you can consider it overacting, yes, but it is mm. so effective. Who and considers not, it overacting? What? Well, I mean, you could. I'm here's my thing. There's different levels of overacting. You, I wouldn't argue with someone that this is quote unquote overacting, but it's effective and it's honest and it yeah. is a accurate portrayal so i just think that every single big and you know kind of over-the-top choice that he may make is to the films i um, see i see what you're and, saying and it's like it's it's, a, it's good it's yeah. positive
1: yeah and it's true to it's true to the joker character you know the joker's a very uh extreme character. there's there's not as i mean like you know, obviously there's a lot of subtlety in, in his performance, but like the Joker uh, as a, as a standard isn't, isn't, doesn't aim for that subtlety. And so like, I don't know, you really get that, that excellent feeling of like the, the sadistic glee that he takes in, in a variety of things. And like, I don't know. I just, yeah. Like, like you said, it's, I feel like maybe you could, you could say it's overacting, but it feels so appropriate for the character and it's, and it's all, it's all genuine.
2: Um, hmm. And and I think that like one of the like when I was watching it last night, the scene I rewinded the most was the scene where he enters uh, the mob boss uh, room when they're talking oh, to
0: Um
2: I mean, one like you said, the magic trick thing. For every time the first every time you first hear, like, oh my god, what what the fuck? Like yeah. slams slams the dude he- the dude's head into the pencil. Uh, that was just brutal. But the the dialogue and, and the choices made by Heath Ledger in that scene are brilliant. Um, the, the stuttering, the, the small, mm, yep, yep. like, repeated lines when, when, when he's like uh, – when he says, uh, I'm the type of guy and then they all – or he's like, uh, I'm, I'm the guy like and – the, and then the, the mob boss is like, you're a freak. And then he starts to say the sentence again and then he's like cuts himself off. He's like, you know what? We're going to get to the point. Like, he, everything <sighs> about the dialogue – in that scene just shows kind of what character, what the Joker's character is like mm-hmm. from a performance standpoint, like from the camera and from the actual world building, he demands the, the attention wherever yeah. he is. He is the center of the attention. Even if even in that interrogation scene, when there's Batman and the Joker in that room, he is the center of attention. He demands it um, mm-hmm. both in the performance and in who the character is and how he plays the character. Um and that scene with the mob bosses, he, uh, when the guy calls him crazy, he's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And, yeah. and even though like you call him a psychopath, Josh, there's a lot of arguments to be made that he's not uh, psychotic. He, he, he does crazy things. But he is – one of the things that I, that I noticed about this, uh, this watch through is that he is equally as smart as Batman but in different mm-hmm. ways. Um, no, he's definitely smart, but
0: he is uh, he is psychotic. He's definitely smart and very much knowing in what his plan is, but he is crazy. He's yes. a killer. He's insane,
2: definitely. <laughs> but but the fact that I I could I could sit here and say, well, maybe he isn't, is also uh, a nod to the writing and the performance itself. And there, you know, if you would go on a YouTube rabbit hole, you will see YouTube videos where they talk about is the joker psychotic is he sociopath like like what what is he and i think that being able to discuss that is just it, it's a it's credit to the performance um and i love how the joker in this movie is the perfect yin to batman's yang mm-hmm. i mean i mean they are they are so similar and yet so different in in what they in how they act and and, and how they go about things um and the the uh, the dichotomy of of batman to the joker and their and christian bale's and heath ledger's um just performance and and uh i don't even know the word for it like the way they they act together on screen it's just it's brilliant, and that's why, like yeah. the interrogation scene, is just oh man, it, it, it is so good because they have such a good chemistry on screen together for what their characters are. And I don't know. I, I've been rambling on, so you go ahead. <laughs>
0: um, <clears throat> I, I wanted to mention just um, something that I've heard, kind of, um, in terms of when people, you know, talk about this movie. The one thing that some people notice that they don't really understand, you know, the Joker's plan or what he's kind of about. It might be part of the like convoluted nature of a lot of Nolan's plotting. And one thing that I think that – and you could kind of say this is like movie bullshit, but, you know, every movie has movie bullshit. But, you know, <laughs> Al- Alfred says it really, you know, really well and kind of the mm. – One of the great memes of our time, you know that, um, you know he's about the whole thing with the bandit in Burma, and he's like, you know we uh, say it, Josh,
1: say it, just say it.
0: (laughs) Some men just want to watch the world burn, like (laughs) he. Oh, that
1: was an excellent Michael (laughs)
0: Caine. I was trying to find the actual monologue. I wanted to do the whole thing, but I, I won't. Um, <laughs> uh, but, it, but he he's right. Like the whole thing about, you know, the Joker says he's an agent of chaos, you know? Mm. He just does these things. And I think his plan is really just to turn, you know, in a more simplistic way, just to turn Gotham on its on its head. And I yeah. think the whole thing with with Lao and the mob and he mm. does everything in, you know, tears. So yeah. I think that In another part, like people kind of complain about the boat scene at the end, which I've always personally really enjoyed. Yeah, I Um, agree. I think that, you know, what he does, he first, he attacks the mob, you know, steals their money Mm. and gets loud and gets to intimidate them to get total control over the mob, which is what the police are after. And then he's able to infiltrate the police, um, you know, by first killing Gordon, so that, Mm. or killing, quotation marks, then, um, and then getting inside and turning Harvey Dent into Two-Face and mm. then he's able to you know completely affect the you know the well-being or the mindset of the people of Gotham.
1: Yeah.
0: By exactly. then torturing them and putting them against each other and trying to show that you know everyone can go crazy like me. I think he kind of has to do that. Um yeah. and I've always personally been fine with it. I I think it's compelling. I think that you know seeing them have to make that decision. You're just like, Oh my God, especially that first time. And, um, during that time, you know, Dent is stealing Gordon, uh, kidnapping Gordon's family. And just, um, it's, I, I see what the Joker is doing. I see this plot to turn every single aspect of Gotham into anarchy mm-hmm. and to completely, you know, dissolve anyone of any sanity
2: or moral code. Yeah. And I think, uh, in that uh, scene where he me- where he's meeting the mob, when <laughs> you can tell that he he's not actually in it for the money at all, because when he when they're asked they ask how much he says half. Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. It's not like a number. It's mm-hmm. not like a percentage. He says half. The the dialogue for the Joker is is like some of the best like some of the best in the movie, and it gives credit to mm-hmm. uh, Nolan's writing and the writing room of that movie. I love that line. Um, he says, he says like right, right at
1: that end, he's like, you think I would leave the battle for the soul of Gotham up to a fist fight with you? And like, <laughs> yes. yeah. And like you said, earlier, you know, he's not, he's not one of, he's not one of the of Batman's like most physical opponents. Cause Bane does kind of leave it up to a fist fight at the end. in, in, in dark Knight rises, Joker has his ace in the hole and like, just, just a, a thought that I had last night. Um, now it's never, it's never shown in the movie because the boats don't blow up. But do you think, do you guys think that potentially that the people on the boat had the detonator to their own bomb?
0: Because yes. like that
1: seems like a pretty yeah. joker, joker move to me.
0: Yeah, like, I, I always thought that like that. Either if someone did hit it, they would have blown themselves up, mm-hmm. or. That Joker was going to blow them both up, regardless if one of them pulled the trigger. Yeah. So it was a catch twenty two situation.
2: Oh yeah, Yeah. definitely. I mean, he does that throughout the whole movie. That's that's it's constantly like that, where he he gives them an ultimatum of some sort, and then both people end up or both situations end up happening. And that's even more. I mean, if you look at the scene where they're trying to rescue Harvey Dent and Rachel, like (sighs) that that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um Can I just say, ten-year-old me in the theater, gutted at oh, that. Oh, I yes. was, oh, yeah,
2: torn <laughs> apart when that happened. But it was brutal. Uh, that, like, it, if you watch that, there's no way that you, when you watch the boat scene, you can't think, "Well, they're gonna blow themselves up." Like, there, there's yeah. no way. I did not believe for a second that they that they actually had the detonator for the other for the other boat. Even though, and that and that shows Joker's character even more is that even though I'm pretty sure, like, obviously, like you said, Nick, that you can't prove it, but I'm pretty sure that they had the detonator to their own bomb. Like it's just meant to sow chaos. Like they hmm. like, even though they're about to, well, the Joker thinks they're about to blow themselves up. He just, he's like, I don't care which one actually gets blown up. It's just meant to sow more chaos and, and, and put more death on Batman's shoulders and just to bring the Batman down. There Um, is
0: no fairness and there is no rules in Joker's world. No, no, not at all. Um, I I wanted to, the two scenes I really wanted to talk about kind of go hand in hand. One's the uh, the armored car chase, Mm. um, which is just um, one of the best action scenes of the 21st century, I think. It's just... um, Everything like the SWAT car going into the river, and the, you know, the Joker shooting the armored car with a bazooka, and the Bat Pod emerging yeah. is so fucking good. And yeah, when that truck goes over, it goes flips right over. It's just one of those jaw dropping, like I can't believe it, and it's immediately kind of you know subverted with you know, the Joker falling out of the truck, and he's just like, oh, like his back <laughs> hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets it up, he falls over, and shoots the gun. Yeah. So yeah. funny, it's so good. It's it, it is like high adrenaline, and like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of music throughout that scene too. Like I mean, Hans Zimmer's score is amazing, but they cut it out of that scene intentionally for the most part because of how you know, they were just they just like were focusing on how kind of high stakes and, um, you know, it's just obviously extremely dangerous. Like that shot, that panning shot where you see the truck and it says water, like is just like, oh,
2: no. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and that um, that scene, I think this is a great um, example of the world building that this uh, series does, because in that scene, you're like, who's the traitor? Which one of these, which Mm. one of these people is going to be the traitor in this uh, escort? Because you're, you're, throughout the, Batman Begins, which is, it's a huge theme in Batman Begins, but, and the Dark Knight, you're, you're, you're. You're led to believe that anyone can be the traitor, anyone can be the inside man, and and the whole time, even last night, even though again, I know what's going to happen, I'm thinking, damn, which one's going to be the traitor? Which one's going to? Which one's going to betray yeah. them? Which one sh- is going to shoot Harvey Dent? You're like, is the guy in the in the van uh, going going to shoot him? And it, it turns out that like everyone in the escort itself actually was on the side of the good guys, but mm. I think um, that scene, I think. Uh, Nolan is great at chase scenes. I mean, this th- yeah. the, the same thing in Batman Begins, um, when when uh, Batman is uh, taking Rachel to save her because uh, she has the, the the scare toxin. Oh, the toxin! Her. Yeah, yeah. He's great at making uh, car scenes, and mm. specifically the one in the Dark Knight. I mean, it's so intense and. And the build-up to the end where the truck gets flipped over and Joker gets out. And the, like we talked about, the the whole hit-me thing. Um, mm. It's just such a good moment of events. And then leading that in, right into the interrogation scene, it's yeah. just such a good pacing of emotions. This movie has some of the best pacing I've ever felt in a movie. It doesn't stop, dude. Oh, yeah. It's
0: it,
1: oh, yeah. coming. Another um, thing um, kind of like about the about the Joker and stuff, especially with after that interrogation scene, like, like – I feel like we see a lot in this movie. We see both that he's, he's great at executing like pre-made plans, like with like the mayor and shit like that. And also at, at improvising on the fly. Cause I, I don't know. I never really got the impression that like, like yes, getting, getting caught as, as, as Bane might say, getting caught was part of your plan. Um, or not Bane as CIA would say. Um, but <clears throat> like, it always, it always seemed like he was kind of making it up on the fly. Like, like in like, like in the sense of like, like catching the guy and like, well, all right. Although, now that I actually think about it, like, Joker himself had to have set up a lot of pieces to make that all work right. Like, like with the guy with the cell phone bomb and, like, Lau mm. being in that cell, like... Okay, so, like... <laughs> damn. Uh, I don't know. It, it, seems, it seems improvised, but it also could be meti- super meticulously calculated. Like, I don't that? know. He's I, I like
0: love that it, 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 it almost character. seems like both. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it has to do with the fact that like you as the audience are kind of only, you're, you're only able to process the information that's given to you at that, obviously at that second. Yeah. So as you're watching it, it seems like everything's happened, everything's happening on the on the spot. But like, yeah, the fact that, you know, Lau's in the MCU and then, you know, Joker gets locked up there regardless. And mm-hmm. uh, the cell phone guy, the cell phone guy is kind of one of those things where it's like, what? But it it's still kind of cool um Mm. but (laughs) just like um you know he he has a plan but yes he's is still like an agent of chaos i think that's the one thing where he still had to get he had to be infiltrated in there so the cell phone you know was part of it Mm. um i mean it's it's weird but like it still makes for you know great tension and he's able to uh, break out yeah, um, and it, yeah and it
2: makes you think it, it's not i think this is uh this is definitely a shout out to christopher nolan because um there's no there's no real way to prove um whether that that whole sequence is planned or not because did the joker plan on batman flipping the truck over like i i, I <laughs> highly doubt he planned on that um yeah but obviously they're they're are certain pieces like the guy, the cell phone in uh, the guy with the cell phone mm-hmm. in his stomach, and Rachel and Harvey Dent being kidnapped, that were very obviously planned. So yeah. I think it's it's just another thing in a, in a Christopher Nolan movie that makes you think: like, did he actually plan this, or mm. was how much of this was on the fly? Because again, there are just certain things in that scene where it definitely seemed like he was trying to kidnap Harvey Dent himself. There, like, I think I think that was yeah. his goal, but yeah. That like him
1: had a backup plan. Yeah, he had a backup you know? plan.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's mm-hmm. probably what happened. Not to mention that it also shows just at, at that point in the movie how much Joker has gotten his his hands into the into the inner workings of the city. Just in general, I mean, he's got people yeah. the cops. He's got thugs. He's got the mob. Like he, he's got everybody. That that's yeah, like yeah. <clears throat> I would argue that like that is the climax of the movie right there, is is like that interrogation scene, Rachel and Harvey Dent. Yeah. Um Yeah, I would agree with that. Um and that like that's the peak where where you can just see everybody's in in with the Joker. I mean, it's and it's even and I watched Batman Begins last night too, so you kind of see how uh um uh, Carmine Falcone does the same thing But in a much more traditional like crime boss way But this one's yeah. much more just like <clears throat> I am this Powerful force And I have all of these people Everywhere working for me Whether they're good guys, bad guys uh, Random people They're all in mm-hmm. it and, and I think for, for if, you're, if you are Gordon or Batman in that situation It's just kind of like Holy shit Like who, who am I supposed to trust? Who, where, like, where, where am I supposed to go? And yeah, I I don't know. I I think that the fact that we can ponder that and never really know is, is another reason to praise Christopher Nolan for that.
0: For sure. Um, I, I wanted to kind of circle back around to the the very, very end of the last, you know, basically 30 seconds of this movie and that, um, well, first, I also just want to say one of my favorite little moments of the movie is when Harvey Dent first wakes up in the hospital oh, and he, like, hmm. feels inside of his face and he sees the coin and how half of it's burned and you don't yeah. hear him, like, hear his reaction and all the sound cuts out. and You just see him screaming. Like, yeah. It's so amazing how they were able to capture so much, like, emotion, like, raw emotion. The audio editing in this movie is amazing. Yeah, great sound design.
1: There were um, There were very few, like... Like, well, not very few, but there was specifically a a lack of like gun slash knife, like slices or shots or or, or gun flares. It would often it often cut away or or do like a Hans Zimmer like sound like it's not necessarily a critique. I just I found that specifically interesting that they they seem to shy away from excessive gunplay and and, like knife like slicing and shit.
0: I know we already talked like pretty much about everything about the ending, but like gordon's final monologue is just like amazing and a perfect cap for the movie because like Mm -hmm. you know everything he says is right you know he has to give everything up he has to go into hiding he has to he has to you know say that he did it they have to you know keep the reputation of harvey dent clean for everything for all order to be um you know in place uh and when he's you know, he says, you know, we have to chase him. He's the hero, you know, Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. I mean, yes, that's been parodied over and over and over again, but it's true. That is that this whole monologue is the essence of Batman is it yeah. gets the character. Right. And to see him run away, you know, being chased by, you know, the citizens that he swore to protect and yeah. that, f- that final shot of him. <sighs> Going up the ramp into the light <laughs> with Jordan saying "A dark night" and then it cuts out. Like oh, I have right now, just thinking about it yes. because of how math, yeah, is yeah. Like it's just and the music, it builds, like, dun, dun, dun dun dun, and then it's the uh, and then a dark night. Boom. Yep, yep, it's, yep. it's it's. I I can't I cannot praise this movie enough for how well it culminates and how it comes together and just that cap. Is the mm-hmm. perfect because you don't know what's gonna happen. You're just like he rides off, you know, into into hiding with that yeah. light. You see yeah. the cave. And, oh, I, I it's hard to put into words. It's so
2: yeah. incredible. It, just, it gets Batman so well. The that last line where it says a dark night. Oh, in a lot of movies, if they did something like that, it'd be super cheesy. It'd be super like one-linery, mm. like, okay, that was that was off putting. But in this circumstance, <laughs> with with the monologue that that comes before it it's it's perfect i mean i i never felt i never felt more connected to the idea of of batman being a dark knight until we see the events that unfold in the last scene where you Absolutely. see the white knight fall like at his absolute like bottom and he falls and he got dies and you're like and they and they kind of like they do the resolution of the movie where where they're like well Harvey cannot be the can, Harvey cannot be seen like this. This this cannot be what happens because it will undo everything. And I texted you guys about it last night where it's so it's so good that I think the idea that Batman has to be the one who takes the downfall because he can take it. And the whole like you said Josh the whole idea of he's 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 the hero Gotham deserves but not the one it needs right now. Although like you said, it has been parried a lot, lots of times. It's just so, it's so true. And it's so, oh, it's so impactful. and so emotional. And it's such like a, a Batman thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and there was a big point in the movie where ba- the, the people of Gotham were turning against Batman a lot. Um, yeah. Especially the scene where he's supposed to come out as Batman and then Harvey does it. And everyone yeah. hating on Batman. No more
1: dead cops.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and it just goes to show that Batman in this world and the comics, but specifically in this world, will do whatever it takes to save Gotham, even if that means vil- vilifying himself. Yeah. Um, and that's that's specifically a, uh, a very complete theme in this trilogy
1: mm.
2: where – I mean, at the end of Dark Knight Rises, he blows himself up. Well, t- kind of. Supposedly. He, he, blows, he blows the symbol of Batman up. Um, yeah. It just goes – every ending of, of these movies shows how how Batman is willing to sacrifice something to save Gotham. And when you compare it to like the, the Avengers movies of late and stuff where it's very universal and – world world saving all the avengers movies Mm -hmm. are gotta save the earth um the fact that he's willing to do all of this for his city is just so emotional in a way even though gotham like he says gotham deserves batman but batman it doesn't really gotham's a piece of shit town like like Mm -hmm. in 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 how it treats batman i mean they use him when they need when they need him but but when they mm. don't need him, it's or they don't think they need him, they cast him out. Um, Joker called it, bro. Yeah, they need some hero. Yeah, and yeah. and also that ending really, I really really enjoy when move in movies when the antagonist wins. Yeah, um, because it's yeah. really emotionally impactful. Um,
0: it makes you feel like shit. Like it's just it's
2: like it just sinks your heart like right to the depths of your stomach. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and oh, God. Um, and this is something that, you know, me, me you, and Nick have talked about, you know, not on a podcast. But the fact that th- there is no – the good guys didn't really ac- win at, at anything. Like, yeah. besides kind of – besides saving the hope of Gotham a little bit, Joker mm-hmm. wins in every facet. Like, like there's no – there's there's really no silver lining i mean he kills the hope of gotham he he theoretically kills the batman i mean yeah he he puts the batman in retirement for what five years eight years or yeah Mm -hmm. so i don't know i'm rambling on again god i'm really bad at that so what else talk You guys, just, I think we just
0: kind of have to go to analysis because I have just, you know, we, we've said all the critical stuff. It's, we'd just be repeating ourselves at this point. So, you guys want to talk some f- themes and messages we can find in this movie? Mm hmm. Definitely. All right, let's go to analyze this. I think that, you know, obviously being the hero comes with doing the right thing and kind of doing the right thing goes against what you think, you know, doing what you want to do as do, as opposed to doing what you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see all of these characters also kind of go through sacrifice. They have to, like, I feel like every character in this movie has to go through, you know, their path to get to the change that they are. And that may sound kind of generic, but... Mm-hmm. Everything that is lost, everything that is gained, every experience that they have to go through is essential. Like yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not wasted. Like, you know, Rachel has to die for the the second half of the movie to happen. Um, yeah. you know, Batman has to make that decision at the end. He has to see these horrible, horrible things. And and that's the other thing, you know, like the balance of good and evil. Seeing Batman seeing the two ships not blow each other up at the very end, he realizes that there is good in the city Mm -hmm. and he has to fight for that. And if he lets everyone know about Harvey Dent, then that's just gone. Then that's Mm -hmm. gone for good. And he has to, you know, there's, there's, I love that. I love that sacrifice and the ultimate choice to, you know, just completely go into the shadows again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the two, the two big, like, codifying lines of, of, of what, of what the movie is like saying and, and thinking about is, is really the, the, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself, become a villain. And the, some men just want to watch the world burn. Like, like those two ideas are, are a big driving force behind a lot of the, a lot of the movie. And it's very, it's very like, I don't know, to me, it, it's always, it's always felt fairly like, in your face, I, 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 like sometimes, sometimes I feel kind of like a like a like a sued when I when I'm thinking about mm. this movie. I'm like, oh, I, I can I can analyze it and stuff, but it's like <laughs> Nolan said, Nolan said, like in to to me, he's like, you either die hero, or live long enough to see yourself become a villain.
2: It is because it's Batman and it's not like super um, superpowers, and it makes it more believable. Um, I think that the themes in this movie compared to other Nolan movies are a little bit more uh, deep in my opinion. Um, Maybe not as, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely not as convoluted um, as some of the Mm -hmm. other movies. Um, But I kind of agree with Nick that I think they are pretty heavy handed. Like I'm, I get like pretty clear um, like the, the dichotomy of humanity themes, right? Like the, the, the good versus evil theme. Um, And you know, some of those are traditional superhero movie themes, just done way mm-hmm. better yeah, and, yeah. and some of those are um are really deep like and i think the the fall of harry dent is is one of those where uh, one of the one of the overlapping themes in the in the nolan franchise uh, for the batman movies is that um is corruption right and corruption mm-hmm. is everywhere and then you see this this bright light, which is Harvey Dent, the White Knight. He is he is um, he'll face everybody. He'll he'll go and arrest hundreds of mobsters, even though it could end his career. And he'll do all flinching this with
1: a gun to his face.
2: Yes, even though, or well, and then and then you see his downfall. To see mm. such a good character fall, I think that kind of makes kind of makes the theme of of. Um, like uh, corruption, and all men have have their evil side or have their weak side. I should say, um, it kind of makes it more heavy handed. I feel than some of the other Nolan movies.
0: I mm. was also going to say, in terms of on on the Harvey Dent side, I think it's I love a tragic character. Yes. Um, oh yeah, uh, I think that seeing you know that whole arc play out. It's almost like you don't really see a whole lot of very melancholy, depressing endings in a way. Like, yes, it's satisfying in the way the story is told, but the fact that they had this, like you said, the beacon of light, this hope, and no matter how good Harvey Dent could have been, he was going to get destroyed. Like, it was just going to be, like, completely, the ground was going to be pulled out from underneath him, and there was going to be a great fall. And... Just the the idea that that could happen at any point and that sometimes chaos wins and we're going to get beaten down at points and be just completely, you know, take like the the hope and that sometimes we're not going to be able to really control it. We're not going to be able to uh, really do anything about it is, is depressing, but it's it's powerful. And the fact yeah. that, you know, he Bruce Wayne still tries at the end of this movie that he has to make that choice. Um I think is what really hammers at home.
2: I really, really think that this movie does one of the best jobs at taking your main your main antagonist and your main protagonist and having them be representations of the theme of the movie, of mm-hmm. the, of the movie itself and just have them be such a uh, a, a dichotomous force. I, I really enjoy the theme of Batman created the Joker. Right. Where, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. that that's like a huge theme throughout the movie where, um, because the Batman is this fear is this fear of creates fear within the criminal underworld. Um, and he's justice, he's justice incarnate. Um, it created chaos. Like it just, it, it just uh, like accidentally, like in Escalation. him. It, yeah. in in him trying to save Gotham, he actually is causing it more strife because, when one force is create when one force happens th- another force is created on top of that like it's both you know the the Batman and Joker are battling
1: like themselves but it's also like Harvey Dent is kind of caught in the middle of that and he's the whole the whole thing is like you know he he has the influence of of Batman and the Joker like in his in his corners you know like he it seems like 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 Batman and Harvey Dent, Kind of like it. It seems like they kind of both look up to each other, or at at least admire each other in 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 similar ways. Like uh, one of the first things that that Dent says to Gordon, he says, "I want to meet Batman." You know, he he wants to see him, and like and like I don't know. It's just it's like it's clear. It's it's like his his bravery and his and his uh, his chivalry and stuff, and his his desire to to like purge Gotham of, of evil and crime and corruption and stuff is clearly at least in part inspired by, by what Batman has already done. You know, he says like, like, he says, you can't give in to, to the Joker. And like, you, you can't cause like, like Harvey, I don't know. I've always, I've always felt that like Harvey was kind of, like, yeah, like he kind of uh, wanted to be, to be kind of like Batman, you know? He, and he said, it, it's, it's brought up multiple times that, like, could Harvey Dent be Batman, you know? Like, the, the model says it. She holds up the paper to his face and, like, and he even claims to be Batman. So Harvey kind of, you know, and, and sees himself as a as a Batman like figure in that he's he's here to save the city much in the same way that Batman is, and Batman looks up to Harvey in that he's what he could never be. And I, I just I don't know. I love the I love that that like it's like a they definitely do have a a relationship. I just I don't know. I, I wish I wish we could see more of, of Harvey and and uh, and Batman together because like I feel like they'd they'd be a great pair and like they both. Clearly admire each other as as people working to to uh, to save to save Gotham in their own in their own ways. And I don't know. I just I just love the love the way that that Harvey and Dent or Har- sorry Harvey and Batman uh, like kind of represent the two different the two different uh, ways to to pursue goodness in Gotham. And 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 they're both they're both fallible, and they both affect each other massively
2: i do i do want to say that we didn't really talk much about the lucius fox character or alfred Mm -hmm.
0: um
2: but i will say both of them were amazing this movie Um, yeah and i think uh it kind of goes to this movie and i'll tie into i'll I'll tie into a theme but it kind of goes into the theme of that batman cannot do this alone um Mm-hmm. He needs Harvey Dent. He needs Gordon. He needs Alfred, and he needs Lucius Fox. Um, yeah. And even though, even though people seem to think he's doing it alone, um, it is it is of dire importance that he gets assistance from Lucius Fox, and that he gets the mm-hmm. mentoring from Alfred and and the and the help. And and this is also a, a running theme throughout the fran- throughout the, the the trilogy, is that Alfred never gives up on Bruce Wayne. He, he's, he's always like, you haven't given up on me. And he, he, Alfred's like, never. Um, and that is something that helps keep Batman going. And that's a running theme throughout the movie is that no one out of the here, out of the good guys, Harvey Dent, Lucius Fox, uh, well, Lieutenant, and then commissioner Gordon and Alfred, none of them ever gave up on Batman, even though he, like I said earlier, he was one of the main reasons why this agent of chaos was born. None of them gave up on him, and that kept the force of Batman alive. Without them, he, Batman could not have been, or he would have stopped. Um, and it's a great juxtaposition to the ending when Gordon's like, "They don't. They don't need him right now. They need him to go yeah. away." And I just think I wanted to give a shout out to Alfred and Lucius Fox as being a, a really huge part of the theme of Batman's character. Boys. <laughs> oh, true,
1: yeah. true as fuck. Yeah. We have confused. I would say we've never had a bad Alfred, but Michael Caine is the best one.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he is the man. I love Michael Cain. Um so to end the longest episode of this show that we've ever had to date. Um, almost as
1: long as the Dark Knight itself.
0: Almost, yeah. <laughs> Time to answer the burning question. How does this add to our love of movies? Just a quick summary of why you love it and how it adds to your love of the medium. Uh, I want to go last personally. So, um, Bass, okay. I'm going to give you the,
2: this is not just the best superhero movie of all time, which I think we would all agree with that. Um, mm. this is one of the best movies of all time mm-hmm. like from in, in a, in a grand film stance. I mean, I, it, it's, it's in my top five movies of all time. Um, And Batman Begins is also a great movie. The whole franchise is is really good. And it it really shows that superhero movies can be good movies and have great themes and have great writing and not just cheesy one liners and not just grand superhero interests, but things that have real meaning. And it really it really made me believe that you can watch a superhero movie critically. You can watch mm. it, and you can and you can criticize it like you would criticize any other movie. It's not just as in its own category, even though a lot of superhero movies nowadays want to kind of almost put themselves in their own categories. Um, <laughs> like they they can be great. I'm a, I'm a pretty big superhero nerd, and to have a superhero movie be a great movie really warms my heart. Um, Absolutely, and. I just – I think that every other super movie of all time is going to be compared to this because this is the gold standard. Nick?
1: For me, like this is the beginning of the golden age of superhero movies that we're in now. I think I might have actually said this similar thing earlier. But like mm-hmm. – I don't know. This, this movie has like all the, all the tropes and stuff that you'd expect of a, of a superhero movie and they're just – they're done so well. And yeah, like, I mean, c you know, he said it best. It was just, it's just like, this is a superhero movie that is not, that is more than just a superhero movie. It's, it's a, it's a damn good movie. And it's like the perfect, it's the perfect meeting of like, of like an, an auteur and a, and a studio with a, with an IP. And they, they have a, they have a shared, they have a shared vision and they work together to create something that's like truly magnificent. And oh, this is just like, I don't know. I feel like it's, I haven't, I haven't seen a movie that in, in like modern times that really is, is like, as I I hate to use the word epic because like, you know, it's so overdone with internet stuff, but like, like this is, this movie feels, it's like a true, it's a true crime epic, you know? And it's, I don't know. It's just everything, everything flows so well. And it just, this is, this is what I want from movies, you know, the like deep, deep themes of morality and characters who are will it, who who break and get broken and, and, and villains who are who are evil and, and yet like so exciting and enticing to watch. And, and just like everything, everything on this movie is going full blast. And it's just I don't know. It, it's 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 just it's just amazing. Like
2: go off. I, Nick, I don't go know. off.
1: Yeah, it's like. God, I, I, I wish we could live in a world where people, where everyone making movies gave as much of a shit about making their movies as everyone who was working on this movie clearly did. Like, like it's, you can tell everyone cared and everyone wanted the best possible product and it shows and it's, and it, it's, it all comes together so well and like it just i don't know it's it's like inspiring to me to, as both like the story of the movie itself and and the the fact that a movie like this can exist in this fucking cynical miserable shitty world that we live in like and it like you know this the movie itself also takes place in a pretty shitty miserable world but like it just shows you know it doesn't always have to be that way we can be more and we can aspire to be more and greater and everyone is fallible but like doesn't have to doesn't have to ruin you forever, and and this movie like yeah just uh, I wish more people I wish that more movies could give as much of a shit
0: as this movie does. Beautifully said, both of you. It's 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 hard to kind of go off of that or to kind of add on to that, but I'm I'm glad you mentioned the kind of October aspect of it it does feel like this feels like nolan's movie all three of these it feels like a trilogy that Nolan made he had a very specific vision and knew what he wanted to do um and you know i i do enjoy the marvel movies do not get me wrong but there are times where you don't know who made them like you just they just feel like there's so much soul in these Mm -hmm. movies there's so much personal being in each one of these um and you know the all the tragedy and all they they took they had such a great setup with the first movie and just as a sequel raising the stakes and pushing the characters further and driving down on them harder and harder what you kind of need in you know the second installment and then you know eventually in the third one too if they do that but uh, I just think that there's it, it's I would love what a movie. Yeah, like you said, everyone's firing on all cylinders. No one really sticks out like a sore thumb. You know, I wish Aaron Eckhart's career had gone in a more upper direction because he's just incredible in this Agreed. movie. Agreed. Same with Maggie Gyllenhaal. But I think that um, it's just, you know, like I said at the top, I flip-flop back and forth. Every time I watch this, I'm like, is this my favorite movie of all time? It goes back and <laughs> forth. <laughs> and, you know, in Bruges, we've done an episode on already, but it's, uh, there's just something about it where I get transported back to when I was a kid and why I love this character and why it's been such a big part of my life and how they can, you know, superhero movies can be different. They can meld them in different ways and they can be made by people with a specific vision that you can still tell that they're, that it's their movie, that it's their piece of, you know, you know, capital A art, you know, kind of thing. Mm, um, yeah, but it, it's just how everything came together, you know, perfectly for this movie. And, uh, I think that each time I watch it, it never gets old. It is, um, you know, I have such specific memories with like every scene and it's, it's just so special. And it's, it's so personal to me, you know, it's because of, mm. because of the soul that everyone put into it, because of the memories that I have and how, um, this has just always been a big part of my family too and watching it over and over again that it's, it's a hall of famer for me. Um, so it, yeah. it it's right in the heart. It's right in the heart for me.
1: Absolutely. Well said, very well said.
0: I, I think that's the perfect place to end it. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys so much for finally doing this. We fucking did it. Of course. Um, yeah. And thank you for yeah, having the, us no problem
2: guys I agree being Mm. able to discuss this movie for more than two and a half hours has been a delight
1: I agree (laughs) I agree very much so
0: that does it for this episode of frankly I love movies huge thanks to Seabass and Nick for coming on it has been way too long planning this episode I'm so glad we finally got to do it If you want more Frankly I Love Movies content, go check us out on social media, on Facebook at Frankly I Love Movies, on Twitter at Frankly Podcast, and you can follow me on Letterboxd at BigWalls21 for recent movie reviews. Frankly I Love Movies is part of the Orion Valley Productions Podcast Network, where you can check out Avengers, our real play D&D podcast, and Tea Time with Titans, our Attack on Titan recap podcast. New episodes of that come out every single Wednesday. And finally, we're going to have a couple more standalone episodes for you guys before we announce our brand new mini-series. We're still planning it right now, but let me just tell you, it's going to be very exciting. So tune in in two weeks for another special episode with a special guest talking about a special movie. Until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies.